Previously on AFTN. It's been at least two or three other times where I'm like, in MLS, That's a, that, that team's that down a man. Card, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll talk about. Oh, let's talk about uh, VAR decision that happened on Saturday, Group C. Are we Are we done talking about Spain? Yeah, Spain. It was am, It was amazing. I, I got work you, at five o'clock. <laughs> Ten minutes left. Yeah, but there's still some time. It's not. Again, and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio on the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. If you're listening to this show on the podcast, this is episode 278. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. No Zachary Meisenheimer this week, though, because he's a little bit under the weather. I guess the Germany game took a lot out of him. Oh, that that must have sapped Especially everything out of him. Yeah, and I don't know if you really want to be under this weather just now because that no. was a, that was a wild ride Bad that drive. both of us had here. No, this I was evening. I was fine on my start. I'm actually wearing shorts, which I wouldn't have if I knew what it was like when I once I got here. Yeah, well, I I was just happy. I'm back this week, obviously. I yeah. fully relaxed and invigorated from being down the Oregon coast for a week. I I was happy. I missed the the heat wave here. Yeah, it, it was got, got pretty hot. Didn't coming back to a monsoon. No. And just before we get any further, the new section we're starting on the show of a grumpy old Scotsman shouting at the sky. Why are the road markings in Vancouver so crap yeah, when it I rains? Agree. I agree with it's you. Like I couldn't so, see anything. I know, neither I felt, could I. I couldn't didn't know if I was over a lane or whatever. It's like... Well, I was on the highway and I couldn't see it because there's some parts that don't have uh, full lights and everything. So I had to put on those fog lights that are at the bottom of the uh, car in order to see anything. Where are, where's our tax dollars going? Yeah. It's not going to bring the World Cup to Vancouver, so yeah. where are they going? Yeah, exactly. That's what I want to know. Well, we've got a lot to cram into these two hours of tonight's show. We're going to kick things off by talking about Whitecaps and whatever that was uh, that happened on Saturday afternoon in Philadelphia. We're going to talk a little bit about World Cup. And then in parts three and four, we sit down with Rob Friend to talk about all things Canadian Premier League in BC, his involvement with the new Victoria team, exactly what happened with the Fraser Valley team, where all that is sitting just now with both teams, and an exciting announcement as well as to to when you might find out and about a launch date for the new Victoria team. But all that is still to come. We have to kick things off, though, with a, a little bit of cheese. Yeah, Philly cheese? They, they made what, us... There wasn't very much meat in that. No, yeah. no. I had a, a hellish journey coming home from, from Oregon yesterday. 
going up the coast road, there was a, I think there was an accident. Whatever it was had shut the road and the traffic was queued back for miles. Yeah, once, it, and it's probably a single lane yeah. road too, so well, you're not going to... Yeah, and it's the, the only road up and down the yeah. coast. So, tried to take a little detour that just added, ended up adding so much time on. I got yeah. a little bit lost. But so. sometimes when you do that, you're okay. I'm, I'm personally okay with that if it adds a little bit more time because you're moving. I yes. hate just sitting there and yeah. not knowing what's going on. Unfortunately, I misread my GPS and what they classed as a via point arrival time was what I thought was my arrival time and my destination. Oh. It was not good. By the way, got home about one thirty in the morning, thought, you know what, I'm going to stay up and, and watch the, the Philadelphia match, get a, a nice ending to my week's holiday, see the Whitecaps trounce this really crap team from the East. Yeah, we're on a two-game losing streak yeah. at home. and of course, we were unbeaten in six. Yeah. Even MLS website was going on about what an attacking threat the Whitecaps were. I think they should have held off on that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> ah, I'll tell you something else that should maybe have been held off a little bit. The Whitecaps had tweeted out during the, the Germany-Sweden game that who's, who's this defending their, their championship? Is it Germany or TFC? And then they went and stunk the place out in Philadelphia. So we, we do have to talk about the Philly game. We won't go into it in too much detail because it was just depressing as hell, but this is why you don't have a bye week. All the momentum built up, disappeared in a horrible 90 minutes. Robbo said they were leggy. Uh, that's one nice way to describe them. For me, they lacked any oomph, they lacked any creativity, is, they lacked just everything. Is leggy seen. a term like rusty or something like that? Would you like he- rustiness? Heavy, heavy-legged yeah, and yeah. just... Yeah, sluggish, yeah, I okay. guess. Yeah, yeah right, just same as Rusty, yeah. being Rusty and everything like that. I mean, what, they your... needed Rusty on the field. <laughs> they could have done with yeah. a, a whole change of 11 players, really. <laughs> what, what's your quick initial thoughts on it? I mean, I, I think, what did you okay, make of it? They, they obviously, Philadelphia had some kind of game plan to the, to counteract that attacking four that <laughs> yeah. has been so doing so well. And they just couldn't get through anything. But my biggest issue was coming back. And I agree with you. A couple of players really couldn't seem not not to have legs, and yeah. and it, 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 that hurt them, especially on the goals against. And we, we especially have, the first one. I think the first one was the 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 one that really um, hurt them a lot. Uh, obviously, every every time you give up the first goal, it hurts you. Yeah. But this one, especially because you could tell, even the, uh, leading up to that goal, there was some issues with uh, some players. Well. The, the opening of the game, like Philly were the better team by a mile from, from the start. And then the Caps' only real chance, Teixeira had a bit of a breakaway. Yeah. Just couldn't really make room to get a shot off. But, I mean, that was, was the only chance. thing that the Caps offered at all. But, I mean, Philly looked dangerous. I think Brian Rowe handled more balls than a bingo caller. Yeah. He was, like, dealing with a lot and then taking goal kicks Philly were coming closer and closer, and you felt the goal was coming, and then it, it came from Dushal. I think that's how we pronounce it. Okay, that's, that's what I'll, I'm going I'll take with your anyway. word for it. 24 minutes in. I mean, it, it was a well-taken goal, but horrible, lazy, sloppy. Use any one or all three of those for the defending on the, Especially from the on the left that. side. Both, yes. I think both players had on the left side had something to do with it. Well, we were talking about it. I was curious if you thought Alfonso Davies was as slow to react as I thought he was. But he then was. you pointed out that Breck Shea was Breck maybe... Breck Shea didn't... Uh, his clearance, uh, again, he didn't do it to the middle of the park, which I, somebody did a couple of weeks ago. Um, like maybe it was even Marcel de Jong that kind of did a header towards the middle of the yeah. field that cost us a goal. But he... He did it forward, 
Um, now I don't know if that's a, a attacker's mentality. Like he is essentially a, a forward going player, uh, but a nor- uh, some uh, most defenders would. Uh, head it out to touch. Yeah, whether or even it's sideline or just get your foot on it and just boot it into the stands, or at least get it, but get it away from the box area. Yeah, and he he got it outside the box, but not far enough. Yeah, and then I I don't think Davies was expecting it to come to out come that to way. There, so, yeah. But he was slow to react. Oh. I mean, full credit to Doshout. Van City Villa Duncan Nichols shared a great photo that one of the Philly photographers took of Shea defending the tackle, where he's basically lazily just sticking a leg out yeah. to try and and get the guy. It's just. So I, I, I personally think those two guys weren't on the same page. I think Brexit expected Alfonso to come back to collect the ball, and I don't think Alfonso expected him to kick it. No. And the thing is, I was talking about it up to that goal. The play before, um, there was another half chance around the 20th minute where that was more evident that Alfonso Davies was not coming yeah. back and not being able to help out there. I forget and, who that was, but yeah, I remember that as well. It was yeah. just a couple of minutes before Teixeira had his. But I mean, we we looked so sluggish. Yeah. And we shouldn't because we're rested. We don't have a great record coming out of bye weeks at all. For sure. And the last World Cup, we were talking about it earlier, it was the Montreal game at home. It was nil-nil, and that was one of the most boring games. Well, Montreal did time. not come in to win that game. They were, by the end of it, they had seven defenders on the field. Oh, just horrid stuff. Philadelphia, though, they played last Saturday. Yeah. US Open Cup, 2 and went over the Red Bulls. Nine of those 11 players that started against the Caps started that game. Yeah, and they weren't tired, and they'd play the game. So I think I think it's uh, and I know this. I'm not trying to make excuses for the Whitecaps, but and I we put it on a poll too. It's a common like like nobody's really that great after a week off, like especially yeah. extended well, period. Well, what do you put it down to? What what, what did the the okay. readers put it down? To? So let me just refresh it. Uh, but but what we asked was the um. Like when you when you come off a break, it, it, it's everybody's always a little sluggish, and we've seen that over past years for the Whitecaps and other teams probably too. Now Philadelphia, like you said, had nine of their eleven yeah. players playing the week before, so we had guys down in Disneyland. Yeah, exactly. And so when With they're our co- head coach and, and in TFC, Toronto, yeah. yeah. Um, so when you have a a team that's going to be sluggish because of that, and then they got to travel out east as well, um, it's not the perfect. It's not easy to get to Philly no. from and again, here. You've they, got a layover. But what what they put out on, on Saturday, it, there should be no excuse no. for that. That's, no, I, like, I, I can understand if you, you're definitely off no a little excuses. bit. So we asked, um, was it rustiness after the World Cup break, especially with East, Eastern travel, pork tactics, uh, complacency after a six-game unbeaten streak, which you shouldn't be considering the four of them were draws, or a combination of all of that. Um Almost half, about 48% said a combination of all of it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Poor tactics and complacency got about 15%. Um, and even other got about 15%. I'm not sure what that was. Um, oh, somebody tweeted out uh, about Robbo being in TFC. I can't remember who it yeah. was. And then, and then... I know we keep saying TFC. He's just in Toronto. Oh, so Toronto. Toronto. That's me. I, I yeah. went down the whole you, you, you put me that yeah. in uh, 5% said about rustiness. Just yeah. It was just because of the rustiness. So, uh, But I, I think the combination probably had all to, everything together. Yeah. Graham, Graham took a tweet at us tonight about because the coach was, was in Toronto. He didn't miss training sessions, though, because the Caps were off for a couple of days. So he'd flown there for it and then flew back. Yeah. But in the post-game stuff on the radio, which I didn't listen to, he was apparently saying that he wasn't happy with some of the conditioning of the the players and like what they had done in, in the in the break. So yeah. I, I don't Maybe know if he was like just pointing the finger that they didn't that they let themselves get sluggish by not looking after themselves. Maybe yeah, they didn't go for a run. They had too many carbs. Yeah, it, Philly are not a good team. 
No. We made them look like one of the best teams in, in MLS. But you finally got a long-time wish. Well, I don't it, want this wish no, because I don't want them to be in this position. There's been position. a lot of games, especially at BC Place, where we're sitting beside each other and you're yeah. like, oh, I do, I do this at halftime. I change this yeah, at halftime. Really I'm like, should. he's not going to make subs at halftime. Double substitution at halftime. That, yeah, and, and the, one of the guys was Alfonso. Yeah. Because you could tell that he w- didn't have the legs. Maybe yeah. it was a trip to Russia. In well, the Robo <laughs> did kind of point fingers towards that after the game. Yeah. That will have taken a lot out of him. Yeah, and then um, uh, who was the other one? I can't remember now. Teixeira. Uh, Teixeira, right. And uh, Mosquito came on Mosquita for a minute. Mosquito came and on and Much came yeah. on. Yeah. So I guess they were trying to get the They more, both did well. They they got more they wanted more control of the midfield, like I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. The, the wingers just weren't were not in it at all. But yeah. I mean the caps were still in the match until the seventy first minute when Doshal grabbed his second. But then it was a tale of two penalties. Yeah. First one, Jose Aha. I've had a few debates with people today just chatting about it. I, I think it was the right call because he did pull him back. Yeah. I definitely think that was a penalty. I don't know about the red card aspect of it. Because you, it's a denial of a chance, yeah, right? Yeah, clear now, goal scoring Clear goal scoring chance. Now, he, the, my thing is, and I don't know if this is the rules, or the, I could be completely wrong, but he got a shot off. So he just he still got a but chance. It was he was pulled back so he yes. couldn't get a proper shot No, not off. a proper shot, but he still got a shot. So I agree with the penalty, but I don't agree with the red card. Yeah. Because I think that because he got a shot off, it still was a chance. Now you could definitely. So I think uh, there should there maybe it's not in the rule book. Maybe it should be in the rule book that if the guy does get something but he's still impeded, maybe then it's a because I thought if you got a penalty, you don't get a red card. Yeah, unless unless it had denied a clear oh, okay, goal scoring opportunity, which he was in on goal. I just I think it was a bit harsh, yeah. but I can see why. I think I think and I think the the defenders and I think this is probably going on instinct too. The defenders need to give a little bit of credit to the goalies where they uh, give uh, give the goalie a chance to make the save. Well, Roe was right out. So, yeah. I, mean, I think Roe could possibly have maybe smothered it or yeah. done something with it. But. So I, I think they should have, he should, they should give him in because when you when you do like something like that where you're basically behind a guy, nobody, there's no other defender, it should be in your mind that, no, I don't want to make a, I've got to be ready for a rebound to clear it or something like that and not let, the, let my goalie take care of everything. I actually thought Aha hadn't had too bad a game up to that no, point. He'd no. had a couple of good clearances, and yeah. so that, that opens up a whole thing as well. Like Aaron Mond is now going to be playing against Colorado unless Kendall come back and back hell okay. of a but, quick. But the thing but what is, mindset is he going to be in? It's now? not, but yeah, it's not. But it's not like he's playing that much over there. And we'll yeah, talk no, about we'll, that we'll later too. We'll come part two. Yeah. No, uh, but the um, uh, the one other thing is the um, the second goal I was talking like you, you know how you said Aha and. Uh, 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 you didn't mention Henry, but I thought Henry had a decent game. Oh yeah, too. I thought Henry. So Henry's I, done I, well. Those two, I, I, I know. I'll eat my words that I said about him. I, he's he has impressed me. No, the, the and the thing is that on the second goal, he got dragged out, and essentially Breck Shea became the center back, de facto yes. center back, and he got totally. Yeah. Uh, and that's where that second goal came from. Breck so, Shea, not a defender. Not a defender. Breck Shea, not a DP. No. Any any other hashtags you want to do for Breck Shea that he's not? Not not good with hair. Anyway, not a, um, not a uh, the <laughs> the the last goal, no no doubt about the sending off for that. But before we get to to the sending off, I want to talk about the yellow card, the first yellow card that that Reina had, had picked up. I think eighty second minute descent, kicked the ball away after a decision went against the Whitecaps. He kicked it towards the referee, like not straight at him, yeah. but in the direction of him. And you can't do that. You're always going to get a yellow card for that. So that was petulant and stupid. 
Frustration clearly took over. I understand that. Okay, so you got booked. But after that, you're an experienced player. You're one of the key Whitecaps players. You're a player that's played at international level and had hoped to go to the World Cup. Maybe that had something to do with it. Mm, maybe <laughs> all the frustrations building yeah, up. Yeah, Prude not getting any yeah. points. We'll talk about that later. But that was a stupid thing to do in the box. Yeah. Oh, no, and 100% because Jake had the ball and it was leaving the box. Yes. Like if, if, Th- there was nothing if, happening if there. Anything was gonna happen was there over. If anything was going to happen there, Pico was going to foul Jake and uh, leaving the box. And that was the only option. He came in there and on, on on a play that he was not involved in and just basically ran interference and hit like basically knocked him over. And at that point, because you the referee knows that the 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 this guy's frustrated and he, he, he maybe he could do something worse even down the road because everybody saw what happened in Kansas City. And so But that's the thing, that's two two times absolutely stupid sending offs he's had in the space of a couple of weeks. Yeah. And he's one of our key guys. Yeah. So do you punish him? I mean, that, that's one of the things, because we, we, we had well, a tweet about that. Well, a lot of players are going to be, I think, uh, I think there are going to be changes, obviously, going into next week. Oh, yeah. But I don't know well, how many changes. That one's obviously forced. Because, uh, yeah, that, that one will happen. Um, and I don't, after that words, I, I, I think, in this case, you talk to the player, but they talked to him after Kansas City, too, and they thought it changed. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. I mean, at Spiceboy1 said, with Reina's second selfish sending off, I sure hope that he loses his starting spot in favour of Mosquita or Much. And the thing is, Mosquita, he did well against Orlando when he came on as a sub. Yeah. He did well when he came on against Philly as a sub. We've talked several times that it's when he starts is the problem. Yeah. But, I mean, he's done enough to now get the nod, but Much as well. No, he's I, back I'm, fit. And I'm, I'm saying the hold off on Mosquita. Let him, let him come off the bench. Let him be a super sub. Don't put him, don't put him in a position where he's going to fail. The only thing, though, with... Then dropping Reina yeah. after he he serves a suspension, and who knows he could even get two. We, you don't know how that will work out, but it probably will just be one. But it, no one has the creativity that he can bring. Yeah, when, like much Mosquito, they don't have that same flair. Yeah, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about a few more things. Let's hear from both coaches now, J- just very brief tonight. And Robbo's one, the quality on it is absolutely abysmal. But we'll hear first of all from Philly's Jim Curtin, and then Robbo. Where have I seen you before? Same pictures on me, I expect I've got a good face for memories. In Philadelphia, I'm sure that I felt healthier. Maybe it's right to be nervous now. Yeah, overall, uh, a very strong performance from the players. Uh, obviously, to be without uh, one of our best players in Harris, Madunjanin, uh for guys to step up uh, and put the uh, maximum effort in, uh, it was an important game. You know, obviously, uh, you don't want to fall behind uh, in the first half of the season now. So it was a big swing game in terms of getting that result, uh, keeping a clean sheet. We talked a lot uh, about knowing that Vancouver is one of the best teams at uh, sitting deep with with ten guys behind the ball and then countering and breaking. They're a very good road team. So. Uh, I thought we handled the first half extremely well, maybe played some of our best soccer, uh, made them work. We talked a lot about making them playing quickly from side to side, uh, and, and eventually some, some holes and seams would open, open up. We would find Borek in between the lines. Uh, I thought we executed that part of things very good, so the players deserve uh, all the credit. Again, keeping a clean sheet is something important. Dre uh, didn't have to face a shot on goal today, so that means guys were really doing their job. Uh, we created 25 shots. so. Uh, happy to kind of break out a little bit and get four goals. You know, I think 
Uh, you could go through each individual guy. Ray Gaddis is playing uh, very well right now at a high level. Uh, and again, never gets mentioned, but uh, I will single him out. Uh, overall, though, a uh, very good team performance uh, from everybody. Uh, put a lot into it, and, and it's an enjoyable one uh, you know, to, to walk away with four goals. And I thought the crowd was excellent, too, and, and cheered us on. Uh, in terms of you know a, a dominant performance in the first half, uh, when Kai Kamara is defending inside their 18-yard box with Alfonso Davies, that's the best defense we can have is, is to be good with the ball uh, and make them chase us. And, and I thought that we did that on the night. Uh, I think we deserved the three points, uh, and it was probably one of our, our best performances of the year in terms of you know complete shutout, four goals, uh, and it being fairly comfortable. Disappointing results. I thought we got what we deserved, which was nothing. I thought we were way off from the first minute. We were leggy, we looked tired, we weren't sharp. Uh, we didn't play our football in the right areas. The only time we tried to play was 15 minutes after half-time, obviously. And then we, we let ourselves down with some unacceptable behaviour with a little bit of ill-discipline. So uh, I'll deal with that internally. Congratulations to Philadelphia, the better team from the first to the last minute. Uh, and we have to accept that. What was said to the group at halftime and the two changes that you made and how, how did you feel it impacted the start of the second half? I thought we needed energy. I thought we lacked energy in the first half, which is why I made the subs with the two white guys. There's an example there of uh, Alfonso Davis with the amount of travel he's done over the last 10 days, which obviously you judged on the football field, so it was to protect him. But Nico come in, Muchi come in, brought a little bit of calmness to our play, but then we can see a bad goal and two penalties and the game is dead. Yes, the gaffer's there. Carl Robinson obviously interviewed in just some corridor. Yeah, but it's yeah. not—it's not too similar to dissimilar to what the visitors so sometimes we're interviewing them and all the noise is going on over outside. But I mean, Jim Curtin, some interesting comments from him there about the the best thing for them is when they see Alfonso Davies and Kai Kamara having to defend, then they know that that their attack is doing fantastic, and unfortunately, that that is what it was. But we're we're going to have a little look at the players' rankings now. Then we'll talk a little bit about some of the players just to wrap this section up. And it was a tough job this week, Steve, doing it. But let's see what the, the punters put in. Well, no, no singing along there. No. You must be tired from the trip or are you tired from watching the game? Well, I think they were rank rotten. They okay. don't deserve any singing this week. Okay, so uh, bottom three. Uh, at the bottom is Jordi Reyna. Uh, Jose Alha second from the bottom. Mm. And third from the bottom is Breck Shea. Uh, to- your, top, your top five uh, from fifth to first. Uh, you got Anthony Blondell in fifth, Jake Nowitzki in th- fourth. Danielle Henry in third, Jordan Much in second, and Nicholas Mosquita in first. So three of the four, <laughs> three of the all three subs are in the top five, which tells you that people really didn't like what the starters gave. I, I we were just talking about that during the the coaches thing there. I'd, I'd have been hard pressed to pick a man of the match. Um, maybe Daniel Henry. I think I would maybe have given it to him. Yeah, which but, is a big thing for you. Yeah, as I say, I'm I'm coming round on him slowly. Rick Halland at Halas777, he tweeted us and said, I ranked the three subs at the top since you can't really blame them for most of the game. 
A red gets you a spot at the bottom and the rest were a crapshoot. It was a, a real group effort this week. And I, I think that was kind of basically what, what everyone is feeling. Stefan Eriksson at the Penguin said, There's a problem with the survey. I can't give Reina and Aha each ones and the rest of the team twos and row a five. This result has to be has to discipline that and putting players on the pitch who weren't ready, for example, Fonzie. All teams got a one-week bye, so to call it a break is poor, but it's just what we were saying. It's not a World Cup break. It's no, a bye week. It's a bye week. Yeah. Um, now, a couple of things we usually uh, put on there. Um, how many players get a passing grade to? Only one person or a couple of people put five to ten. Otherwise, it was all zero to four. It was near unanimous. So somebody obviously very positive out there. Um, where would you rank the coaching staff? And obviously this is not going to be that great for the coaching staff. You have both 20% saying one to five. I think that's more because they didn't like any of the players. Um, 15% said about six to 10. 31% said 11 to 14. And 32% said 15 hmm. at the bottom. Last tweet we'll read for just now. Angus Walker. He says, Robo selects the wrong tactics. Loads have called for 4-4-2, me included. But with travel, break, etc., should he be playing 4-5-1 away from home? At least we have switched to it when we're under the cosh, but they still stuck with 4-4-2. Four, four, yeah. I think 4-5-1 may have been better for a game like this, if, but why? It, it's tough. Why would you then feel that you needed to change something that's worked so well the last two games? Because, that's, that's the thing. Because you're assuming that he's... Uh, that in training they've seen something now at least unless the training they didn't see anything of what was coming up with everybody being tired what what is to make a joke that he didn't see anything because he was in Toronto but uh, he was at yeah, training yeah. people calm down uh, no but uh, no but he it's assuming that maybe the the players didn't show anything and they just showed it it happened in the game time mm-hmm. then maybe they should have made a change but if not, they didn't see anything then obviously yeah you're right why would they change anything at that point so bad day at the office then for you or something to, to cause you big concerns? I think bad day at the office. Let's hope so because they had two shots all match. None of them were on target. Yeah, They've dropped to sixth in the standings after the weekend's results. A lot of the weekend's results, and we're not going to do our, our MLS West week this week, but they're still seventh in points per game. But a lot of the games and the results kind of worked in the Caps' favour, so that wasn't bad. Seattle once again. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully they can keep this bad until next month. But LA sitting three points back is a worry to me. I, I do have to say that. Um, goals against. Another four given up on Saturday. That's 34 goals in 17 matches. So they're giving up two goals a game. That's the second worst in all of MLS. Which I think is after their- Orlando, which is just 2.06. So basically yeah. it's the same. Yeah, I think that's the... the even during the uh, unbeaten streak, they were giving up two goals yeah. a game. So it wasn't helping out. But if you take the, their two worst losses, that's 10 goals. Yeah. Brian Rowe's goalkeeping stats look horrendous. And it's and not really his it's fault. It's not his fault. No. no way, though, can you keep giving those goals up and expect to outscore teams. It's going to catch up with you. And I think it basically did against Philly. Next up, though, next Sunday, Canada Day, Colorado Rapids. You'd expect that to be a Whitecaps win, but then Colorado go out and get a 3-2 win over Minnesota. Left it late, a 97th minute winner to, to get the three points. But, but that, that might be a good thing. Have then they, they turned they, the corner? No, that might be a good thing. They got their win out of the way. Now they're going to go on another 10-game uh, losing streak or something like well, that. Well, we can hope so. <laughs> we, we won't go into that just now. We'll leave that up to the preview, guys. That will be out on Thursday or Friday. But we'll be back with some World Cup chat after this. Hi, I'm Cal Valentine. 
You're listening to the AFTN podcast. Beautiful voice of the beautiful Debbie Harry and Blondie, and she she didn't she, she has a new release recently. Yeah, so, and it's her. I don't notice anything with her voice. It's not that. No, her voice, voice is still fantastic. Yeah. She still looks good for a, a woman in her sixties as well. She was one of my my pinups when I was growing up. Had her her picture on the wall, and isn't it ironic? We're listening to her playing her on the radio. One of my pinups on the wall, and then folk are going to be in the student dorms here listening to us looking at their posters of us on their wall. I mean. <laughs> I, it's just, it's fantastic. But yep, welcome back. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio. Union City Blues, it was definitely some blues for the Whitecaps in Philadelphia, but we're done talking about that. No more Whitecaps chat to get us down for the rest of this show. Were you excited that MLS was back right in the middle of the World Cup, Steve? No, not really. I think that was I, the general it's, feeling it's, from, it's, from Twitter. Yeah, it's uh, whenever you're watching World Cup games and then you have to, I think it was, a, that the, the Montreal game was one and the the main one from when I came back to watch the game and that was at BC yeah. Place. And it was just so dreadful to watch and it was, it was like the game was going so slow compared to what you were watching on TV. Yeah. And usually games in person are faster than what they are on TV, but this was not the case. Well... Our good friend Zach, who is unable to make the show tonight, he did tweet at us and said, Watching MLS games these past two days after watching World Cup fixtures reminds me of Plato's allegory of the cave. Watching MLS is like seeing a poor reflection on the wall of what true football really is. During the World Cup, we get to come out of the cave and enjoy the fullness of football. I think that's fantastic. Very poetic and beautiful from Zach. So... Let's lift the mood then. We'll talk about this festival of football that's been the, the last 11 days in Russia. When I was away last week, I did read a few people complaining on Twitter, on my Facebook, that they were a bit bored with some of the games. They weren't enamoured with it. Now, I haven't watched the games in full because yeah. on holiday, didn't really want to get up at three in the morning. Also didn't want to listen to Fox Sports. Some of their commentators were doing my absolute head in. Well, some of them, uh, I think only a couple of them, we talked about it before in a headlines thing, that only a few, two pairs were going to Russia oh. and the rest of them were doing studio yeah. work. They've got a Hispanic guy who's maybe massive with the Hispanic population down there, but he was just way too excitable for, for my ears in the morning. Yeah. So I mainly just watched extended highlights online. Yeah. Uh, just find links on Reddit and different places like that. And I think it's been great. I've I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. No, I think that's the case. I think the I think the first couple of games you got people uh, team sorry that are are kind of being very careful because they don't know they, they want to be still in it by the third game. And obviously some of the groups it wasn't the case. Some some groups are basically over at this point. Well, I, I think we, just, we saw that today with Poland Colombia. That was a very cagey opening yeah. half hour until Colombia opened it up and then it just the yeah, floodgates yeah. after that. But we'll, we'll come to them. Maybe the best way to have watched some of these games then is extended highlights cuz I've just seen the, all all the yeah. exciting stuff. Now, admittedly Two of the groups haven't been all that exciting because they're already done and dusted. 
And any time England qualifies from a group with ease, I don't find that enjoyable at all. Yeah. <laughs> you want things to be on the line. As teams head into the last group games, you want everyone to have a, a chance of of winning it. But even if it is just one spot up for grabs in the groups, you, you kind of want teams to be playing for something in these final two games. Yeah. Now, six teams have clinched their place in the last 16. Eight have been officially eliminated. So that's just 14 of the 32 teams. So more than half Are still, still have, have something, something to play for. for sure. Now, some... Admittedly, it's maybe a bit of a forlorn hope. Yeah, exactly. You're looking for a a lot to happen to make it. Two of the teams which have been eliminated were CONCACAF's representatives. We'll we'll come to them as we rattle through the groups, but hasn't been a a great World Cup for CONCACAF. Well, we talked about Costa Rica, and I know you guys thought that Costa Rica had a chance in their I think that was more our heart talking than our our brains. And maybe if they had Kendall Watson on the field, they would have had a chance, but I don't know. Uh, I think we knew Panama didn't. Yeah, Panama (laughs) was the worst team. Um, A lot of people, I I didn't know this, but a lot of people said that, I kind of vote Saudi Arabia at this point, but a lot of people said Panama was the worst team going in. Yeah, and... They proved it a little bit today. They, they, yeah, they did. They haven't looked good at all. You, you watch that, though, and you think, wow, Canada were nowhere near these two teams in qualifying. Yeah. How far behind are we if we are not as good as teams that are getting well, easily beaten there? It all depends on mentality, too. When you're going in there, you're if you're not... Uh, if you're playing afraid or you're not playing smart or something like that, if it, like somebody was saying that... In the first game against Belgium, Panama played really tight and they lost 3 nothing. Here against England, they opened it up and they lost 6-1. Mm. And they were down 5 nothing at halftime. They got a goal. Yeah. So at least there's that. But let, let's get let's go back to Group A quickly then. Well, we're not going to go through all the results. We just want to talk about some of the, the big talking points yep. from the groups. As this week, Monday to Thursday, Friday, no football on Friday. I know. I don't know how we're going to cope. <laughs> but Monday to Thursday, it's the last two games in all the groups. So Group A, it's all wrapped up. Have to just see who's first. Russia and Uruguay are through. Russia surprised me. Yes, I, me against, too. Against Saudi. Like, no, I expected yeah, that. Yeah. I expected that. But but the, I, I, I thought, thought Egypt would have done something, but Russia looked really good. And I think it's all got to do with the home field. I yeah, think, I mean, I've I think talked we under- about that in our extra podcast yeah. that we brought out that I, folk I, don't realize how much of an advantage that gives teams. I, I think I underestimated it, especially, I think the, what caused me to underestimate it, the last two, because... You had Brazil, who, while they, it helped them for a bit, but when they got to that big game, it didn't help them at all no. against Germany. Some, yes, well, some, sometimes the pressure can then can get, can get to you too. Well, and then, obviously, South Africa, they maybe, they weren't just as good. But I thought it was a similar thing with South Africa where they weren't as good. Yeah, and they were but, be I mean, a, going back 50s and 60s, you yeah. had, like, Sweden and Chile, and they all had good runs when yeah. they hosted the World Cup. Yeah. England won it when they hosted it. Yeah. That's the only reason. That and dodgy refereeing. Still not <laughs> over that. Even though it was before I was born, still not over that. So, I mean, Group A has been kind of boring, though. Gr- group B... But who, who do you think going forward, Russia, Uruguay, they are going to be fighting for that top spot. Do you think Uruguay has enough? I, They've only beaten their opponents one nothing. Yeah, I times. actually... Think Russia could sneak it. Sneak it, yeah. Two one. Because it, whoever, whoever, the problem is whoever gets through Group A has to place the top two in Group B. Yes, and that's going to be a tough task for both of yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, no matter who comes through Group A, on paper, yeah, you should be playing Spain or Portugal. Yeah, but <laughs> there's a chance. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, Ronaldo, he's clearly on fire. Yeah, I can't stand the guy, but even I have to say, 
He's looked good. Yeah, and that's coming from with, big from you and Zach. Yeah, because both of you last week. Yes, Zach I know. Was I was like, laughing that, that when I was listening to. It. Yeah, but how good would it be if Iran shocked the world and knocked him out? I don't think that's going to happen. I just don't see it at this point. Look, I know. Don't I know. break Anna's heart. <laughs> She's sitting at home, no, listening to this, all excited. I think they have one of the better chances. I think, uh, like, if it was Morocco versus Portugal with a chance to get through, I, I would give them a less chance. Mm. Morocco's not had a good week. No. <laughs> they, no. They lost out to the World Cup, and then they, they basically bombed out of this one. Um, they played well against Iran, though, in yeah. that first game, and were unlucky. And I think that just... that broke their hearts when because they, they figured that they have to win that one in order to have any chance, yeah. and once they lost that one, all hope was lost. But, I mean, yeah. Fingers crossed for Iran. By the time yeah. most folk listen to the podcast, that's going to be all done and dusted. So Spain and Portugal, you think, are going to go through. Yeah. Now, Group C, France are through. Dan- Denmark, they play them in the last game now. Yeah. Which means, despite, frankly, being horrible, I feel, Australia could advance. Yeah. They play Peru. Could I know. all come down to goal difference. Exactly. And that's the that's the crazy thing about the, the that, that day, especially when, the, when you got Group D in there as well. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. going to be nuts because you know who the big team in that one is. Um, group C, I've, France France could very well lose that game because they haven't really impressed. They've yeah, beat, I, they won. Do, I don't feel they have either. No, they have, they've beaten the teams that they've needed to beat, but they, they haven't really I've impressed I've been more them. impressed with Denmark. Yeah. And then they just... They, blew it in their second game and it's not because I, I took Denmark in the in the World Cup draft that I was rooting for them but yeah. I, yeah I was disappointed Peru I expected a lot better from Peru that missed they, penalty but, in that first game oh, that's just yeah. going to haunt them yeah, but the thing is they have, they have impressed out of like the teams that are, haven't won a game or yeah. anything like that I, th- I feel like they've played well they just haven't had the breaks Group D it's it's nice that A plays B C plays D there's no weird yeah. mixtures at least for now but Group D this is the most exciting group for me. Yeah. My dark horses of Croatia are through already. Yep. Happy with that. Help me in my World they Cup draft. slaughtered Argentina. <laughs> that was a... That, that was an amazing game. And I think th- that did you, did you, might but, be right up there for the performance of the tournament so far. Yeah, and in my, one of my favorite moments, because I called it at the beginning of the thing, uh, I, t- I tweeted out quickly, when Messi was rubbing his forehead during the yes. Argentina national uh-huh. anthem, I was going, That's a bad sign. This is a bad sign. And a lot of people, everybody else saw it too, obviously, too, because everybody else was tweeting about it. But I mean, it, It'd been nice for Argentina to go out. All we're going to get, and we've had it already, is the non-stop hot takes on Messi v Ronaldo. And you can't just base who the best player is on how they've played for the country. You have to look at everything. Oh, I do. I, but, do. I mean, Ronaldo I do. has increased his stock massively, though, I, I with agree, what he's done I in the agree with you stage. Th- I agree with you there. But when I, I personally think that if you look if you side by side, Argentina's talent is more than Portugal's. So if you think of that, and Argentina, yeah, and I, I, what I, Portugal's correct done me recently. if I'm wrong, but I don't think Argentina's won even a South uh, a Carnival uh, championship no, I don't at think all. They have. And they struggled. Uh, they struggled to even Copa qualify America yeah. and the States, and they struggled to get through the qualifying right down to the last game. So, so that's what I'm saying. Like they haven't really done anything. With, no. Not even locally. I, mean, at I, least, I said in the at extra Ronaldo's, podcast. At least Ronaldo's won a Euro. Yeah. Right. So yeah, true. I I said in the extra podcast that I. Wouldn't be a surprise to me if Argentina didn't go through, but it, it, it looks like well now they have a chance because of the yes, second game. Yeah, they. I mean, yeah. This this is the big one. Croatia are through now. Nigeria can advance if they beat Argentina, and then that's it. All done and dusted. 
Nigeria has clearly gone through. Yeah, like Arge- Nigeria basically gave Argentina a lifeline. Yes. Because Argentina just has to beat Nigeria and they're through. No, they don't. Oh, wait. No. Oh, yeah, you might Because be right. Argentina could beat Nigeria, but if Iceland beat Croatia by more goals, uh, see, Croatia's I through. I know, Remember but I still, I still don't see that happening. I don't, I don't think Croatia... I, uh, a player's mentality is not to lay up once you're through, no, you well, want to keep going yeah. on the same kind of thing. Even if you bring in a couple extra subs or whatever, or like non, you change your starting eleven a little bit. I still think that mentality is still going to go. And you I, probably also don't want to play France. No, exactly. Yeah, so, you want yeah. you want the top spot. But I'd love I'd love it if it was Croatia and Iceland to go through. I don't think that's going to happen. So I'll be happy with Croatia and Nigeria. If Argentina turn it around now and go through, it will feel disappointing because I love to see the big nations shocked. Yeah. And like as I said, for me, Croatia beating Argentina was the result so far. You could argue Mexico beating Germany was, but I just think the way that Croatia did it, because Germany were were quite dominant at times in that Mexico game, but Croatia just yeah. took Argentina apart. Did, yeah. Now, Group E, Brazil, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland. Brazil is through. Yeah. They, no, well, well, no, they're not. not They've got not four really. points. But they are playing... Um, uh, me, or they're playing well, Serbia. they're playing Serbia. Yeah. Serbia have to beat them to go. You, through. you know, you got a point too because Brazil hasn't looked the greatest either. No, like uh, and, like Ser- Serbia, they barely beat Costa Rica. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be hard to see them to get past Brazil, but Switzerland have impressed me more yeah. than I thought they would because they've actually played attacking football. Yeah, and like just going back to Group D in Iceland, did you see John Molinara's tweet? He hates Iceland. Because of the defensive football that they play. Oh, yeah. Well, some he people must hate people. the Whitecaps. No, I guess, I guess he does. <laughs> well, I, I would say he hates them anyways. Yeah. But, I mean, Switzerland, well, we've got to talk about Shaka and Shakiri. Yeah. The double eagle celebration. I didn't even know that was the case. I thought they were doing the Napoleon Dynamite celebration. <laughs> Somebody tweeted that out. No, as soon as they did it, I, I knew, because I knew their backstory of both being born in Kosovo. Yeah, and then becoming Swiss. Shaka's moving there, yeah. dad being held for, I think, three years or something by the authorities. Yeah. and. The Serbian war and the war crimes and everything like that. Yeah. They're both up in front of FIFA. They're possibly doing disciplinary action against them for doing that celebration. I think it'll be a warning. I don't think they'll... The Serbian coach, though, is also up, because I don't know if you heard his comments. No. He, he said, oh, are you going to put us on trial like you did in 1991? Well... Politics and football. <laughs> Great stuff. Imagine if Kosovo and Albania get into one of the World Cups when it's the 48 teams. Just imagine the well, politics You then. saw what happened in the group stage when they played each other. I yeah. think it was this, this, this group stage, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the oh, qualification, the yeah. chaos in yeah. those things. There was a drone or something involved too, I think. Yes. With a flag. Yeah, that's right. A yes. drone with a flag. That's right. I, I, I don't blame the Swiss players at all for doing that. I love the passion. You saw what it meant to them. And so, what, what do you think about this one? I, th- I, I, th- I think, I think Brazil and Switzerland are good. Yes, yeah. I mean it's hard not to see that they're both tied on four. So I think Switzerland might win it. Yeah, because of the goal difference thing, and then that's going to possibly set up a who knows what in the in the next round. Yeah. Last thing we'll talk about in Group E, we've got to talk about Costa Rica and Kendall. Yeah, that that's surprising that he did not playing. Now, he hasn't played a minute. Costa Rica's out. You have to think that's actually been the best thing for Kendall because he'll play in this last game. Surely he's going to play in the last game. Surely the coach is going to give these players that haven't played minutes in the last game. I don't know. 
If I'm he doesn't, sure. that's heartbreaking for because him. Because I think maybe the the coach wants doesn't want to be maybe like I don't know why like, Kendall, especially against Switzerland. I thought the no, who did, yeah, they played Switzerland in the first game, right? I'm a, what, no, they played, Serb, they played Serbia in the first okay, game. Okay, so Serbia. And the, the, feeling, what, the feeling was yeah. that it was going to be aerial bombardments from Serbia. Yeah, exactly. So then why wouldn't you play Kendall? That, that's what my point was. Against, I can understand against Brazil, you want to play more mobile back three. But against Serbia, I expected Waston to play, and against Switzerland, I expect him to play. Yeah. So it's, After it, how it went yeah. against Serbia, I, yeah. I was convinced he was going to be in. And yeah. that, that back three were torn apart yeah and i, I read a, a tweet from a costa rican fan who he said why is our best defender why has he not played a single minute yet i think the the pressure is really mounting on the costa rican coach and i'll be amazed if he is still the coach Hold heading on. into the next lot of qualifiers i, I don't he's, think, he I will think be. he's gone i just hope kendall gets the start gets his world cup dream we talked so much about it have we maybe overrated him is he maybe not as well, good as... you expected him not to come back at all after the World well, Cup. Yeah, well, there's, there's the thing. This has not helped the Caps trying to sell him. Yeah, well... If he's not if, on the if, world stage. Well, if they, if they want to sell him too, they might yeah. want to just keep him. Group F, all four teams can go through. Mexico yeah. plays Sweden. South luckily Korea for Germany, Germany, because Germany was close to getting eliminated. Lucky, lucky Germans. Yeah. I When Sweden took the lead, I'm sorry, Zach, but I was like jumping around. Yeah. But I mean... South Korea even have an outside chance. Very outside. Very. They've got to beat Germany by a few. Now, Mexico could have beaten Germany and might not even go through. They I could know, lose they, to Sweden. Germany beat South they're... Korea and then they're out on goal difference. Yeah. And that would be crazy. Yeah. Who, who do you fancy from that? I think that the I think the Mexicans will be able to get uh, at least a draw against Sweden. Um, I think Sweden. I have to I root th- for Sweden because I have them in my world. I understand pool. that, and I, I, I because I think uh, Mexico's uh, Nicholas has Mexico. Oh, so we have to get Sweden. Yeah, but I think I think Germany's through because of that game. I think they will. I think they'll go really go after Korea and yeah. hammer them. That stoppage time goal has probably saved them and saved a lot of yeah. uh, coaching uh, the his, the coach's uh, job as yeah. well. Uh, whether he's going to come back or I, not, I'm sure. I'm torn between Mexico and Sweden taking the World Cup drafting outfit because I I like Mexican. Girls. Girls. I like Swedish girls. They're both on top notch. Yeah, I like Mexican food. I like IKEA. Their meatballs are good. So I mean, who who knows? If they can both go through, I'd be happy with that. Yeah. Group G. Can we just forget Group G? Well, one of them is your team. Oh Maybe yeah, I guess Belgium. Belgium yeah. yeah, who I did pick to play Germany in the final. Yeah. With Croatia as my dark horse, Croatia Belgium. I'll, I'll be happy with yeah. that if that can possibly happen. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. Haven't looked but, at that. But okay, so England's ahead because of the goal different. Oh, they're kind of tied. But yeah. apparently, uh, somebody was saying they're ahead because of the fair play points. So they're ahead just slightly. But in the next game, Belgium is um, missing like three of their starters. Apparently, they're, oh. they're three in, in question because Lukaku's got some ligaments issues with his foot. Uh, Mart- See, I'm hoping he gets the golden boot as well because I'll get bonus points for that. M- Mertens has uh, an injury as well, and there's another player. One of their top players is injured. So I they- didn't know that. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I was I was away to say Belgium's going to hammer England. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, Eng- England. Although they put six goals past Panama, Panama were horrible. Yeah, so it's hard to gauge. This is the, they only beat Tunisia two one. Like I don't, I don't get it. Like, where did it come? They were tackling a player in the box. Like is is accepted. 
like the, the, as a defender. Like, why yeah. are you? What, you like, well, the I, one one thing was they had the Panama def- and, he, and they got uh, they got so many warnings about stuff as well before the all previous the previous game Tunisia and... game. The uh, Kane got tackled a couple times, yeah. and then this game he got one arm around, then he stuck the other yeah. arm around, and then he tackled him, and then that's a penalty. The referee really didn't even call it. The thing with Panama is. The, it's like you're not in Kansas anymore Dorothy yeah. you're not in CONCACAF with these referees anymore Panama you're not going to get away with that and to go on the world stage and think you can do those things and get away with it yeah well, well a couple of teams uh, Switzerland going back a little bit Switzerland and Serbia that game you had two players tackling one guy in the box um, right in the middle I tweeted out a gif of that and and I was like how is it and then Switzerland goes on and scores a, a few like several minutes later so it, people are getting away with it. That's the thing. Even with VAR. Well, that's the thing with VAR. It, there's been so many calls that you're thinking, oh, that's going to be reviewed on VAR. No. Yeah. And we'll, we'll come to VAR just to round off this section, but Group H. Yeah. Poland are out. I know. Annexed. And I called that too. Yeah, I, 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 think said, I said Poland was one of the most overrated teams in, uh, in the World Cup, in fact. And they're the first team out in Group H. Senegal have been a joy to watch. I have loved that. That's the my fans team. off the pitch, cleaning up the stadium yeah. after the first game. That was just beautiful. Also, I wish they could have pulled out the win today, so they didn't have to worry about the next game. But they're going to have a tough time because they're. I think they're playing Colombia, so it's Colombia and yeah, Senegal, and the Japan playing uh, Poland. But I'm, it's horrible because I want Senegal and Colombia to both go through. Yeah, but the thing is, with with that as well, because Poland. You think they're going to come out again? Like they have some pride. I yes. don't. Think, I, and I think they could very well destroy Japan. Like uh, Japan has Japan has impressed. Yeah. By the well, way, some of these Polish Japan, players. This may be their only World Cup. Like, like while I was right about Poland, I was completely wrong about Japan. I yeah, didn't I give was. Them any I thought so, they. I think everyone wrote them off. Yeah. So, but so Japan is surprisingly yeah. re- resilient, even, impressive. Because even in the Senegal game, they, while the uh, Senegal ha- was impressed, I think Japan w- might have been the better team. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've just I, if if Senegal and Colombia can both go through, I'd be so happy with that because they both if, play if, beautiful football. If they both draw and Japan gets hammered by Poland, yes, then Senegal, Colombia. So are, uh, that's our best bit. Which team then would you say has excited you the most from these first eleven days? I think I think it has to be Senegal. I I, I know it's the most recent game. Especially that first game against Poland, I was like so cheering for that one. Yeah, I really, I, I even said that they don't even have to win another game; just beat Poland. I, I really enjoyed that one. I, I think I would have picked Senegal if they had beaten Japan. Yeah, because I, I might. I, I've enjoyed watching Croatia because they yeah. played some lovely stuff. Yeah, um, it was probably between those two. Now. Which team has disappointed you the most? Now, Costa Rica, from a personal point of view, because Kendall hasn't played. So if yeah. you take that out of and especially it, how good, we didn't how, really expect him to, to but, be great. But they, they did so well in 2014 that you expected a little bit more from them. It's uh, Especially that game against uh, the first game that they played. Wait. Yeah, the first game against Switzerland. I know they're all meshing. I know they're all meshing. Now, it's hard to keep track of what the schedule is. I mean, Argentina, you could see is like the biggest surprise but I didn't rate them and then you didn't rate Poland which would maybe yeah. have been one of the other surprises so I think I think for me it, uh, probably Egypt has been disappointing I thought yeah. they would be better um, Iceland Iceland again that was more a heart thing yeah. I just wanted them to be better uh, it's hard to say because a lot of these teams can turn it around in the final game so it's hard to tell who's been 
who's going to be a disappointment True. yet? Because you can say Argentina right now, but they can then they can turn around just like that. And I, I mean, for whoever's going to win it, I had Germany Belgium as my final. I if Germany make it all the way to the final, they now, could still do be, it. They could, but that's going to be a hell of and a the, turnaround. I think that's the only chance there is Zach can help us out with any points in the yeah, team competition because we're basically cost us lots, Zach. Yeah, we basically with your heart. Yeah. But we're basically, he's cost us the team competition. It's almost well, over. Well, that and me drawing five and ending up with Saudi Arabia and Tunisia. Yeah. Uh, although Tunisia, I think, will beat Panama, so I should get some three points there. Yeah. But we'll just round the section off. We talked a little bit about VAR, and you, you came up with some interesting stats that, that you had today. Um, 32 games played. There's been nine decisions overturned by VAR. That's one overturn every three and a half games. Six penalties have been awarded and one penalty was overturned, which was Neymar's. D- do you feel I, it's been good? Or? Every, every VAR decision for me has been spot on. Yeah. Now, the I've only, been surprised with the ones that they haven't looked at. Yes, that, that's the only issue I have. Like, especially, I don't understand what's going on. The only ones that I have issue is with the non-calls of the tackling in the box. The Serbia-Switzerland game, yeah. the, uh, the couple in, uh, against the Harry Kane in, in England. Um, other than that, I haven't been overly disappointed. And the thing is, the best thing about it, um, they tell they tell you right away. I think you mentioned this that they tell you right away that it's or no, Zach mentioned it last week that the broadcasters tell you that it's been decided or whatever. Like while they're looking at it, when when they, the referees don't actually go to the screen, they've said it's been reviewed and there's nothing going to be happened from that. They let you know that. Um, they let you know uh, um, the referees when they go to the screen. It only takes them a little bit. Yeah. Because they're just watching it, the thing's set up, ready to go, and then they're back in within a, less than a minute sometimes, I think most of the time. Because I've been watching a lot of the BBC and ITV highlights from the UK, their commentators, they need to sit down and get some education in VAR because they have been so confused when it's been blatantly obvious what the decision is from what the referee is signalling. They've just been very confused. But overall, I think it's been good. What's the TSN broadcast? Who does that? Is that like a, a world, international, a world international one? Because yeah. yeah. they, right. the BBC and ITV send their own folk over Well, then, then those guys, whoever's doing the international, because they're all British, yeah, I think. Yeah, John Helm, I think, is one of them. Yeah, maybe, there's, and... there's, there's several of them. They're very well educated on it. So maybe it's because they're, they're not looking for the uh, British, because uh, everybody in England doesn't like VAR, right? Almost, yeah. uh, so maybe they're playing to their audiences something like that oh, that's, that might be what it is but because the international people that are doing the broadcast are not having any issue with VAR yeah that's true but a big week ahead looking forward to as I said no games on Friday TSS Rovers aren't even at home on Friday what are we meant to do yeah. Victoria Highlanders are if you want to go over to the island for that they're plenty TSS but anyway talking of Victoria that was a, actually a nice link that I hadn't planned but in parts three and four, we're going to sit down with Rob Friend to talk about the Canadian PL, Victoria, Fraser Valley, and a lot more. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
Fozzie there. Yeah. Not not the bear from, no, not the, Fozzie from bear. the Muppets. Fozzie Bear! <laughs> <laughs> One of the few impressions I can do. Um, yeah, oh, Chris deba- debatable. Oh, okay. Chris Jericho has banned Fozzie. I haven't heard much by them. That was a good song. That's, that's their latest, I think. Ah, I like that. Anyway, you are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show, not the AFTN Wrestling Show, on CITR Radio. We're still working on that idea. So now it's time for the next two parts of the show. We're going to give it over to the Canadian PL. We're going to sit down with Rob Friend. I didn't get a chance to speak to Rob this past week because I was down in Oregon. So Zach headed along to the Urban Soccer Centre North Van just to, to talk to him about all things Canadian PL in BC. What's happening with the Fraser Valley team? What's happening with the Victoria team? Also, we talk a lot about Rob Friend, but I, I think a lot of people maybe don't know who Rob Friend is. So we want to find out a little bit about the man himself as well. So we're going to bring you part one and chat a little bit about what was said. And then in the next part, we'll bring you part two. So here is... Rob Friend. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. Sitting down here at the Urban Soccer Center with uh, Rob Friend to talk all things Canadian football. And uh, Rob, it's good to see you. How you doing? How you doing? Thanks for having me. It's good, good to be here. Just before, before we talk about CPL, which is obviously what is on a lot of people's mind with the, the league launching in, in April, I want to hear a little bit about the Rob Friend story. So, like, you know, people can go to your Wikipedia page and look up or whatever, but tell, in your own words, tell us, like, who you are, where you're from, and what has made, kind of made you you kind of thing. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, born in Saskatchewan, uh, lived there my first seven years. So I like to like to say that's where I got my uh, my work ethic from. Uh, you know, my uh, my ancestors are all farmers. Uh, I grew up next to a farm. Um, moved to Kelowna when I was seven, uh, till I was seven to 18, uh, 18 years old. Then I went off to university. Uh, met my wife at UC Santa Barbara played soccer there and uh you know the rest is sort of history 12 years 11 years in europe the last year was in uh, la galaxy won the cup there wasn't uh, personally wasn't the uh most successful year i had as a player but no look you know the odds of of uh being born in saskatchewan playing youth soccer in Kelowna. Uh, the odds of making the Bundesliga and playing seven years is in arguably one of the best leagues in the world. You know, that's, that's pretty rare, I think, as any Canadian right now, any Canadian kid growing up, you know, to have those sort of ambitions, it's, you know, the odds are against Canadian players. And, and you know, I always say it's, it's work ethic, number one. And, and it wasn't skill or talent that got me there. It was, it was my mentality and, and my work ethic. And that, that's how I... That's you know that's what I believe in, and that's who I am as a person. And no matter what I do, it's 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 honest hard work, and that's sort of how I go about my business. For at least for a few more weeks, uh, the Bundesliga is the the league of the world champions, <laughs> as we sit here watching the World Cup. Um, but uh, you, you played in f- four countries. Uh, you, you played in uh, Norway, you played in Holland, you played in Germany, and then you played in, in the States. Uh, just really quick, like what what are your highlights? What are your memories of, of of each of those countries, starting with Norway? Yeah, well, I, I left. Uh, I I got drafted in the MLS by Chicago Fire, and and um, you know I had that option 
to play there, but I, I know I had bigger ambitions. And I said, you know, once you're in Europe and get your foot in Europe, um, you know, anything's possible, and there's you know greater opportunities. And you know, I think there's there's a ceiling once, you, as you've seen with a lot of these MLS players, you kind of get stuck there. And I, and I didn't want to go that route. Norway was sort of a a league that was was a good platform at that time. A lot of players were going to uh, to England to Holland. So I knew coming out of university, obviously I wasn't going straight into the German Bundesliga, but you know I knew if I if I did the work, starting in Europe, scored some goals, uh, I can move on. And and it was a great, it's a great league and a great country to sort of start your career as as a. And obviously, it, it suited my style: direct, long balls. You know, me being six five and and no skill, it uh, it obviously suited me very well. Uh, scored scored a bunch of goals there, and then got scouted uh, by Herenveen in Holland. And at that time, obviously, as it still is, the Dutch leagues a, a strong league, and that's really sort of a really good feeder league for the top leagues. And uh, you know, again, scored goals there, and, and just you know, same philo- philosophy was was hard work and, and honest honest work, and that got me uh, you know that got me I think eight or nine goals in that that season, which was respectable enough that. Uh, Munchen Gladbach, Bruce Munchen Gladbach scouted me uh, from SC Herrenfein. And, uh, you know, I guess th- then after that, obviously 18 goals, top score in the second Bundesliga, got them promoted. And, you know, in my opinion, one of the, the greatest, most traditional clubs in the world is Bruce Munchen Gladbach. From everything from a from a supporter's perspective to, to just as a player, it, it was it was a family club and it was a great, great club to be part of. The three years were the best three years of my career. Um, you know they welcomed me and and obviously having success there getting them promoted and it's funny i was there a few years ago and and fans were still thanking me for getting them promoted saying you know if we, if we didn't get promoted that year we'd still be in the second bundesliga because mm-hmm. obviously a lot of investment risk that first year to get back up if you don't you kind of get stuck you look at clubs like uh, kaiser slouten kind of got got stuck in that rut of not getting promoted and and uh, you know two more years in the Bundesliga with Gladbach and and you know greatest again greatest three years of my career and and I still love that club and I follow them and it's still like family when I go back and to the fans and they don't forget and uh, that's what I love about it and then you know went to Hertha Berlin and Eintracht Frankfurt in 1860 and and you know three more very traditional clubs so great experience and then obviously ending my career with the MLS Cup was uh, you know sort of uh, icing on the cake so you have an MLS Cup you have a Norwegian Cup right and then the promotion to the Bundesliga is any other uh, honors that stand out to you no that that's that's it yeah obviously winning the second Bundesliga you know yes it's second Bundesliga but I I mean that we had a hundred thousand people in the streets in Mönchengladbach population 250,000 so I mean that just standing on that stage, getting promoted, and how much that meant to the club and the fans. I mean, that's something I'll never forget. Yeah. Uh, and then, if, you know, through your successes in Europe, uh, you were part of the Canadian setup. Tell, tell me, tell us about your time in, in the Canadian setup because you were quite prolific at uh, I think you the U twenty three era, and then also played a bunch for the the senior team. Yeah, I mean, look, I would have loved to say I had a greater role with the, the full team. Obviously, I played, I think, close to 35 games, uh, I think two goal cups. Um, it, it was different and it's challenging, um, you know, playing in Europe where your focus is on your career. You know, at, at that time, you know, I think it's the national team, men's national teams come a long way since sort of uh, the time I was playing there. Uh, it's become more uh, more of a professional setup. Um, there was challenges us us you know flying you know flying halfway around the world, arriving two days before you're playing Honduras in, in Honduras. 
you know, dealing with jet lag, um, you know, maybe wasn't the most professional setup at that time. So like I said, it's come a long way. Our era, I think was one of the best eras at that time with myself, you know, you go on in terms of, you had Stalteri, you had Radzinski, you had McKenna, you had myself, you had Josh Simpson playing the Bundesliga, then you, you had, um, you know, De Guzman, Kukowski, um, Atiba. I mean, you talk that our starting lineup was, was we, we would laugh on paper. We were a better team than the U.S. team. I mean, we, we should have made the World Cup in that era. So, you know, there was, there was you know, um, some things we did wrong as players and not taking it as, as professional as we should have, um, you know, and, and vice versa from the CSA. And the CSA has learned a lot as well. And, and when I see what the setup is, what these guys have now, they, they have such a great opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to make the World Cup and, and to win games. So um, it's unfortunate, and I look back, but I think in the long term, um, you know, we've learned from it. And I think, you know, the steps that we're, we're doing right now in, in the national setup is, is, is building the right foundation, um, you know, to, to, to be part of the World Cup. You, you talk about, yeah, your kind of your how you were influenced by growing up in Saskatchewan and, and Kelowna and BC and stuff. You go off and have this career. You go to school and you go off and have this career in football. You see what, what football looks like in these, uh, uh, these European cultures and in MLS a little bit. Um, your career comes to an end. What, what do you, what's been your focus since your career ended? Well, I'd like to say I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So I've, I've invested in, in, uh, I have my own real estate company. <clears throat> um, you know, so that's that's sort of helped me set set up my post career. Um, anything that I'm passionate about is is what I'm going to commit to. And then you know, the same sort of ethos I had as a player is is now in the sort of the business world is is hard work, honesty, and and, and you know whatever I'm passionate about, I'm going to you know put my heart towards it. And uh, sort of what I'm doing now with 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 all all things soccer is is. You know, I see that there's opportunity uh, to better the game in this country, and I think we're we're so far behind that uh, you know I think it, it needs you know former players like myself and, and guys that are sort of you're seeing involved in the game on the coaching side, with, you know GM side, what, what Julian's doing to to some of us now who are investing in the CPL. Um, it's it's important to see us who've been there, done that, gone abroad, how the challenges we had, and uh, now to come back and to get back to the game is important. Yeah, I've heard you talk a little bit about uh, this before, but how did how did it come about for you to get connected to the CPL? What did that look like, and who 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 got you connected? Because obviously, relationship plays a big part in this. But yeah, what did that look like for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, living in Vancouver, Vic Vic Montagliani, you know, uh, lived five minutes from his house, and we were chatting about it uh, probably three years ago. And I was skeptical, as everyone is when you hear that. I said, yeah, too many challenges is not going to work. It's impossible. Um, and then, uh, from the business perspective, uh, you know, it was probably a year later after Vic's and Vic and I's conversation, I met with Scott Mitchell, Paul Byrne, and, and really they broke down the, the business side of the, the league and the setup. And, and at the end of the day, um, it has to be a, a viable business for it to work. And, and it's all 360, everything from, from fans, supporters to the actual business setup. And I was very impressed about the business structure of the league that I said, okay, this is something sustainable. This is something that can work long-term. These guys are doing it right. So it piqued my interest, and I said, guys, uh, I would like to explore something in, in the, the BC region, Lower Mainland, because uh, in my opinion, there's, there's, it's, it's a little underserved in, in various ways. 
you know, the Whitecaps um, are, were doing what they're doing. But, I, you know, I thought there was room for, for something fresh and, and, and a new approach. And obviously with the CPL, with the message it was sending, uh, you know, they, they allowed me to run with that. So I put myself and, and uh, my business partner, Dean, and, uh, you know, on, more on the business side. And I said, let's run with it and let, let's explore all options and, and uh, you know, to, to give a different look for the supporters and for the community uh, in the soccer world. Because at the end of the day, Vancouver, in my opinion, is one of the, the, the greatest soccer uh, markets in North America. You've seen the tradition it has for the last 30, 40 years. And, and there's absolutely room for more than one, one large club. So you were looking in the lower mainland at what, what, was, what were the possibilities were. Um, in particular, you were looking at the Fraser Valley and, and what the possibilities were there. Where, where are things at with the Fraser Valley or, or you know, what, what happened in the Fraser Valley? Or like where, where are things at right now in terms of the Fraser Valley? Well, I guess touching on that um, and to get it out there is, is look, we, we spent over... Uh, well over a year and a half exploring um, different markets. Um, the obvious was that there was no stadium. And for, for this to be done right, the stadium has to be done right. To me, it's, it's all about the atmosphere, the intimacy, intimacy around the game. Uh, as a player, I felt you know, different stadium experiences. And if it wasn't right as a player, you, you just, it wasn't the same product versus you know, a very small, tight, intimate environment. So I knew that the stadium had to be done right. So then, you know, once we identified certain markets in the Fraser Valley, which obviously Langley and Surrey are, are the two large municipalities, and again, I, I thought it, those markets are underserved and, and they're far enough away from the Whitecaps that I think they deserved a local team to support. And obviously the, the population was there. It was well over, you know, the greater Fraser Valley was, was over a million people. So there's no question it can serve a professional franchise. And so, you know, we explored um, stadium options in Langley, stadium options in Surrey, um, you know, very complex structures that needed to be done to, to sort of get support from council. Um, so we, you know, we offered, you know, we offered up, um, you know, a lot of investment on our side to, to get the stadium in place. Uh, we, needed, we needed support from the municipalities in terms of a, some sort of a land lease. And, uh, you know, we are willing to put a lot of our own investment into that to get the stadium infrastructure right and, and essentially build our own stadium. And, uh, you know, we are willing to put that risk up. Um, but again, we needed a partnership from those municipalities. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it, it became too complex for these cities to sort of approve that um, it was taking too long and, and we were vying for a 2019 franchise. And, and there was, a, there, was they, there, there basically came a certain point of no return when we said well we either have to fully commit into this and 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 skip 2019 and focus on 2020 or look at other options and markets in bc and and um you know fraser valley certainly is not dead um you know we're continuing conversations we we've spent a year and a half working on that um but in order to you know to have this vision for a 2019 team in bc that represents bc and and the region um, we had to sort of look at other options, and so we sort of broadened our, our range of markets, and, and obviously landed on uh, on Victoria for 2019. And so, was, is, was it at that point that Josh Simpson became involved, or was he always kind of was he going to be involved all along, or how did the, how did the connection with Josh come into come into play? Well, Josh and I are actually business partners uh, on a real estate company in the U.S. Josh and I talk daily about different investments we're doing and, and whatnot. So obviously, as we were dealing with the Fraser Valley, 
Um, Josh is from Langford, from Victoria, um, want, wants to come back and wants to be part of the game. And obviously, you know, the CPL is, is for players like us, uh, former players, we want to be involved in the game in Canada. And, and why wouldn't you? And, and this was such an exciting project. And I, I, I told Josh, I said, well, why don't you start exploring uh, the island? So, um, you know, I, I was sort of helping advise him on that because, again, I had sort of a year and a half of experience behind, underneath my belt. That I said, okay, let's. I'll help you out. So we, we flew to the island, and I started sort of advising him on on the stadiums and locations. And, and he has obviously great connections to the island. He's local. He gets it. Um, you know, he's very well respected there. He's really the most successful player ever to come onto the island. And uh, so he was exploring it, and I was helping him on sort of the business structure of it. Um, so he was, you know, while we were working with Fraser Valley, he was working on the island. We said, how great would that be? Two rival teams in BC for 2019. Amazing opportunity. Um, and then really long story short, uh, you know, once it kind of came to um, realization that we couldn't get a deal done in, in the Fraser Valley, we'd obviously put in, in a lot of investment and time. We'd, we'd essentially... Uh, we essentially bought our franchise, and so we, we owned a franchise for BC. We controlled that, and uh, to me, the, I, I was passionate about um, you know bringing local ownership uh, to a market in BC that deserved uh, and could support a CPL franchise. And, and we'd we'd always thought Victoria is a fantastic market, huge soccer community, and uh, something that always interests me. And, uh, you know, it was more about identifying communities uh, that deserved uh, a team. And Victoria, obviously with Josh, had, had sort of worked uh, far enough along. And sort of long story short, uh, you know, the, the city of Langford stepped up and offered, offered a fantastic um, opportunity with their existing stadium to update it. And so, uh, you know, we, we came together and said, well, let's work together to make a, a successful franchise 2019 a BC franchise and, and let's put it in, in Victoria in, in terms of a, a market we, we're, we're excited about. So part one there of Rob Friend's interview with Zach and AFTN. We'll play part two in part four of the show. Getting confusing, Yeah, right? well, too many but, numbers. Yeah, I just want to talk about a few things, though, that, that came out of the, the part that we've just heard there. It, it, that seemed the best place to stop the interview yeah. when, I, when I was editing it. So I thought we may as well just talk about some of the stuff that came out of that just now. So as Rob said, he was sceptical at first about the Canadian Premier League being a, a success. As everybody was, almost. yeah. I think we've got to be honest, and we thought, can can we pull this off in Canada? Nothing like against Canada. It's just there's so much self interest yeah. out there. Can all these parties come together geographically? To geographically, trans transferring teams like, from east to west. I remember when I was when we we were it was being discussed initially when they were they were doing the uh, re- initial research. I was I put out the proposition that. Instead of doing one league, you have three separate regional, kind of league, yeah. regional leagues, and then afterwards, or two regional leagues, and then afterwards they play uh, in the final or the champion of each one. Yeah, similar to what never, ju- similar to what I- junior hockey does. Yeah, but it's never ideal. I no. feel to have a like USL has East and West. Yeah, I don't like that because when Whitecaps were in it, we didn't get to play the likes of Cincinnati or Louisville yeah. or, or these top teams. But it saves but money that geographically. Way. Yeah. yeah, it made a lot of sense. Or if you do a full league, you have where. 
uh, teams come over and they almost do like tours of the West. I, and, I, and I think that, way, that is what is going to happen. And that way you're you're saving money on uh, the travel back and yeah. forth. For, I, like, I think when Halifax head to play Victoria, they'll play probably in Calgary, maybe Edmonton as yeah. well, have all three games there. In a week, yeah. Tough for them, but I mean... But everybody's going to have to yeah, do that. I mean, it, make, it makes sense. But as Rob said there, he's been having talks for three years on this. Yeah. And a year and a half, he's been invested in trying to get this Fraser Valley team off the ground. He was willing to put a lot of his own money into it, along with his business partners, Dean Shillington and others. They just needed the land lease, and neither Langley nor Surrey would commit to getting a deal done. It was, or they wanted too many things yeah, from Yeah, it was yeah. too complex for them, or yeah. it was going to be take too long for them. And time was running out yeah. because there had to be a BC team for 2019, I, I feel, to make the, the league to make it legitimately coast yeah. to coast. Yeah, so exactly. time was running out. I, I'm disappointed that n- neither of these municipalities would step up. And there's going to be a bit more of that in the next part as well. I, I love what he said as well, that players like him, who's been and done it and played at the high level of the game should come back for and sure. give back to the game here. Yeah. And I think that's what Canadian soccer has missed for a long, long time. But we're starting to see it now. Yeah. You've got uh, Julian de Guzman now in a GM role. Yeah. You've got Josh Simpson and and Rob and investing in the CPA. Ownership roles, yeah. And you got, like you said, a player out of Saskatchewan what are the odds of that yeah. player making it to Europe, to Germany, and then and and all the stuff he did where they advanced and were able to get promoted to the Bundesliga? So it was, it was interesting to see what he said. I, it was interesting him talking about his early part of his career and kind of get to know a little bit about Rob Friend because yeah. I mean we take it for granted everyone knows who Rob Friend is, but they don't because well, like Zach said, you go to the Wikipedia, you can find out what he is. Yeah, I mean, but you don't actually know who he is. We've got a few thousand people listen to this show, yeah. and a lot of them are not going to be really into the the Canadian PL aspect yeah. of it. Now, Vancouver, Friendfields is a market that can support more teams than the Whitecaps, and by Vancouver, I mean the Lower Mainland. Yeah, I, I agree with that because you look at, over in the UK, like where I come from in Fife, there's four professional teams in Fife. Yeah, most of them aren't greatly supported, but. I mean, that works. In England, there's that. Obviously, it's a different culture over here, and you haven't grown up with that local attachment to football teams. I don't know, do you have it in hockey? Like, do, do people feel attached to Vancouver Giants the same way that they do oh, I'm sure they against are. Vancouver Canucks? I'm sure they I are. always preferred going to watch Giants games yeah. at, at the P&E as opposed to watching the Canucks because I liked the small atmosphere, and you actually felt more part of it I always felt and the thing is is like a lot of people out uh, past like in the Fraser Valley uh, and out to like the 45 minutes hour away yeah Yeah, and they're not like even for me like uh, I'm going to the games and I'm not even putting money into the like like I got the media pass and everything Um, it's it's still such a difficult way to drive all the way out to Vancouver um, to, uh, to watch the games and everything um, I can I can't imagine people who want to have to pack up their kids. It yeah. feels like a full day's thing because you're especially on a weekday. If you got a weekday game, you have to go through oh, two yeah. bridges in order to get to Vancouver, and then you have to then you have to get to downtown. It, it becomes a big thing. So if there's a, a team that's lo- locally, there are people that wish they could come out to Vancouver. They don't. They will support that uh, that team in the Fraser Valley. You saw a brief taste of it when the Whitecaps went and played in Langley. There was a lot of families went to those matches. 
And cost-wise as well, the CPL is going to be a great cost-effective day out for families in the lower mainland. But Langley and Surrey, not totally dead in the water for a Fraser Valley team. That doesn't necessarily mean, though, that it could be in Langley or Surrey. There are other options. And we're going to talk a little bit more with Rob Friend about what the future is for a Fraser Valley team. Also some stuff about the relationship with the Highlanders and and Victoria. And when we can expect to see a launch and all the fun stuff with this Victoria team of name and colours and stuff like that. And we'll bring you that after this. I'm David Edgar and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. So we're going to bring you the second part now of our chat with Rob Friend. Some interesting stuff in this and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it coming out of it. So let's just get straight back to Rob. Speaking of, of the opportunity in Victoria and Langford in specific, is there any update uh, on the whole hydropole situation? I know people uh, people are asking about this. What is going to is there a resolution? Is there is it been solved? Is that still in progress? Is there anything you could say about that? Yeah, the, I can't say too much. It's still in progress. Um, there's phase one, phase two options we're looking at. If if it can't get done, we're confident in terms of the stadium design that meets CPL. There's CPL requirements that are minimum six thousand seats, soccer specific. Um, certain VIP seats, hospitality, it has to meet the requirements. This is a fully professional league. This isn't, you know, oh, the, um, we can't play in a makeshift stadium. So we've, we've set out those requirements to the city. They've, they've met those for phase one if, if it can't get done with the hydro pole. Um, and then there's phase two once the hydro pole moves. In terms of details, um, it's, it's an ongoing process, but we're, we're confident uh, enough that we're continuing, um, you know, our process to, to put the team for 2019 there. There's been some discussion on Twitter and some things posted on Twitter in terms about the, the current local supporters. Lakeside Boys uh, obviously been around for a number of years and supporting Victoria Highlanders. Uh, you know, they expressed a concern recently on uh, on Twitter about uh, or via YouTube about about uh, the C, the the CPL group working with lo- local owners for the betterment of football on the island. Um, and they've since expressed that they feel like there's progress being made. Is there anything that you want to say about that, or anything you can talk about in terms of uh, the, the CPL Victoria's connection with with Highlanders, or what that might look like or not look like moving forward? Yeah, I mean, and look, we've 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 had discussions with them. It's obvious that the Highlanders um, have 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 been there. There's some tradition there. You know, there's been some positives and negatives around them. Um, in terms of, we've engaged with the the supporter club. Um, you know, obviously, we have we have a, a lot of details we need to iron out, sort of on the overall business structure of of the team um, before we you know fully go out with our with our entire plan. But at the end of the day. Um, this is more than who the owners are, and, and in terms of local owners, I mean, it doesn't get more more local than than Josh Simpson from Langford, from Victoria. Um, so, um, you know, it, it's not about me. It's not about who the owners. I mean, it's about the community. The community deserves a professional franchise. Um, Hollander's done a great job, um, you know, existing as a as an amateur team in the in the PDL. Um, they play, you know, college players that that need a, that need a platform uh, during their off season, and they've done a great job with that. And it still, 
you know, in terms of um, we need that to exist, um, you know, underneath the CPL. So in terms of partnerships, um, there's, there's no question we're, we're open to partnerships and, and working together. Um, and, and again, this, this is, these, are, these are two different products we're talking. And, and uh, again, it's not about who I am, um, even though, you know, I'm, I'm BC, Dean's BC, Josh is local. We're looking to bring in more local owners. Um, but to me, it's greater than that. It's about what the community deserves and, and how, you know, how we're going to engage with the community and, 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 and support local, local soccer as well. And, and we're, we're going to do, do all those things. And, and so, you know, there, there's a lot of, uh, there's, there, we have our plan and, uh, you know, we haven't gone about it, but um, we're excited to start engaging with the community once, you know, a few more details get ironed out and, and we plan a, a launch event. And, and once we're out in the community, I think obviously everyone's going to see that, that this, is, this, is, this is for the island and this is, uh, this is for, for the players. This is for, you know, local players to, to have something to strive towards that, that Josh didn't have, that I didn't have. And, and again, it's not about who the owners are. It's, it's what the club represents. And, and we're confident that, uh, that it's, it's going to represent the island and that's something the island can be proud of. Yeah. So in that, I hear you saying, like, it, it, it is, you think it is possible for there to be a, a Canadian Premier League side and a, and a PDL side existing in the community of Victoria? Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, the, the CPL is, is for the greater good of, of the game in Canada that, that hasn't existed. And, and, you know, the PDL is an American league. And, um, you know, until there's a structure in place, which the CPL is going to work for to sort of an amateur development league that, that players can still play in college and have something, um, you know, a two-month season in the off-season. And, uh, you know, those are players that, that we're going to, you know, look to scout and, and maybe there's there's opportunities for, for you know, some of our players. So there's certain, there's there's absolutely, um, you know, there, there's partnerships there that, that's, that we're going to work on and, and that's not going to happen overnight, but we're excited about that. Um, is there room for sort of two teams on the island? Uh, again, like I said, these are two different products, uh, two different investments, two different sort of uh, completely different uh, animals that we're talking about here. But in terms of working together, we're excited about that and, and local ownership. We're local, um, you know, and, and again, it's, it's not about names and, and who owns what. It's, it's about who, what, what we represent. And that's what the CPL is all about is, is if you're in it for, for the greater good of the game in Canada and and to build up from the community up, that's that's what we are. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't be having this conversation. I wouldn't be part of this. So obviously your focus is on, as you said, your focus is on Victoria. Moments ago you said Fraser Valley isn't dead in terms of it being a, a possible place the CPL will be in the future. If, if that were to happen, could you see yourself still being involved with that? And what would that look like? We, we, we know looking around the world, there's the, the thing that's referred to as, you know, multi-club ownership. Is that something, and then we look at the history of MLS, that's one of the ways that the league was started and one of the league, ways the league was kept uh, sustainable for more than a decade. Um, is, that, is that something you could still see yourself being a part of? And how do you, how, how would that, how do you, would you see that in terms of potentially being a part of, backing two clubs or supporting two clubs the challenges or the the possibilities yeah look I, I think you know without going into too much detail what that looks like and and we haven't even you know thought much through the detail again we we've worked a year and a half on the Fraser Valley and then we're not just gonna walk away from it and let it die um and, and again and to my point this this isn't about who the owners this is about the, the CPL is greater than the who the, these owners are and it's about what you know, bringing something to the community that the community soccer community and the fans and the supporters deserve 
So whether that's me, whether that's somebody else who wants to step up and drive this currently, then no one else is driving this on the lower mainland. Again, we've put in a year and a half's work uh, to get it to, to a certain point, and, and we're not just going to walk away and let it die because, again, the Fraser Valley absolutely deserves a team. I think the, the CPL wants to see a team in the lower mainland. Um, so, again, until somebody else steps up, um, I'm not going to get in detail about who owns what, um, who the ownership group is. I think it's, again, it's bigger than that, is, is who's going to bring a team that the fans deserve. And, and you know, I think there's there's some exciting things to that we've talked about in terms of um, you know, engaging supporters greater than, than what currently exists. Um, so, I mean, we're going to drive it. We're going to drive it forward. At the end of the day, I've got to, you know, we're focused on bringing, you know, the best product and, and the best team for the community on the island. Um, and, and uh, you know, there's there's still plenty of you know talks happening in, in Lower Mainland, and because again, it, it deserves it deserves a team, and uh, you know the league's supporting it, we're we're supporting it, and uh, whatever that looks like from an ownership perspective, you know, we don't want to get in the details of that, and and, and until somebody else steps up and, and drives that bus, um, you know, somebody's got to do it, and, and we've done you know we've done years of work and investment into that, so. Um, you know, that's, that's, I guess, really where, where it's at. It feels like some one of the challenges in, in football in Canada is, that, is, this, is this idea that there are people involved in the, in the game who maybe don't want to lose their place or whatever. And so sometimes there's a struggle of coming together and saying, yeah, what is the best for football in Canada? And how can we lay aside position or title or influence or finances or whatever so that things can move forward? Not that someone loses their shirt or has to give up everything that they've given is this one of the challenges you see and and how is the cpl overcoming that is that do you know what i'm saying in terms of investment well just in terms of like it it feels like one of the things that's held the football back in canada at the club level is everyone kind of saying i have a piece of the pie and i don't want to lose i don't want to lose that i don't lose my piece of the pie um and so i want to i want to hold on to what i have or I want to gain my more influence or more control. Is that a, is that a legitimate perspective? And is this do you feel the CPLs is has been or is going to be able to overcome that? Well, look, that that's certainly always been a challenge in Canada, and, and I don't think it's been a collaborative effort in Canada from from the top all the way down to the local clubs. And and I think there's been too many walls and too many sort of borders up in terms of regional teams. And and I think. All of us are responsible uh, and have a responsibility to look at a bigger picture. And, and everybody says, you know, uh, complains, why aren't we in the World Cup? And uh, I want to, we want to change the game. But then locally, you see in the, in the through the local teams, and everybody feels threatened. And and these walls need to be broken down. And 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 ultimately, look at the big picture. And are we all doing a greater good for the game? Which means working together, collaborating. I mean, we're one country. So why are we fighting locally in teams and, and I get this and I want a piece of that? And, and that's, you know, sort of hopefully the CPL can help break that down. And it's, it's the responsibility of each CPL club and their local markets to work with the local clubs and to work together. And, and you know, to, to ultimately it, it, look at the simple and break it down in, in terms of are we developing our players the best we can? And, and are we sharing, you know, uh, secrets or are we... Are we, you know, working together on the technical side of things? So, you know, I think that's that's we talk about that a lot in the CPL is, is how we're going to break these these borders down locally, and it starts, you know, from your local team, and then and then works its way up to the provincial, regional, and, and national level. So, 
you know, and, and we feel like there is a tipping point happening and, and you know, we're part of our responsibility is, is, is to support that. Two, two other quick questions. One, uh, Fraser Valley, you've been looking at uh, specifically Surrey Lang Lake, you mentioned. Are those the only two places or uh, have other places on the other side of the river been places you looked at, like Coquitlam or Burnaby or, or other places? Well, when we first started this exercise, we sort of identified, you know, markets that were, um, you know, far enough uh, removed from the Whitecaps in terms of we like Fraser Valley because it was 30, 45 to an hour away from a Whitecaps game. And I said, you know, we kind of circled an area, said, well, you know, who, you know, who needs a local club? And then when you look at, you know, Burnaby and, and some of these other markets, yeah, they're obviously geographically closer to the Whitecaps. Um, so that's that's what we identified, and that's from there we, we went, you know, and then we attacked certain municipalities in terms of sites and locations that, that could best serve a, a stadium, um, you know, until somebody, until someone steps up like a Burnaby or, or a Coquitlam. Um, you know, again, the Lower Mainland deserves a team. Is that in the Fraser Valley? Is it somewhere else? I think it can support, you know, more than, uh, more than one team, maybe two. Uh, you know, in five years, can can there be a, a Burnaby CPL team, Coquitlam CPL team, and a Fraser Valley? Possibly. I mean, you look around the world, why not? Um, done right, I think it can. So, um, you know, obviously, we, we, we've, again, we've done a lot of work in the Fraser Valley, and we're going to continue to because we, we love it as a market. So, um, But that being said, I think, uh, you know, no one should rule out uh, any other municipality on the Lower Mainland. You mentioned the Whitecaps. What do you think the... On the, the national scale, so CPL with the MLS teams, and then specifically regionally here, the Whitecaps and Fraser Valley, Victoria, what do you envision that relationship looking like in, in terms of, uh, especially in terms of players? Like, obviously, the CPL is the top-tier national league in Canada, uh, which uh, some people, I think, outside of the football structure will struggle to understand because they'll just see three teams in, the Ameri- in a big American league and they'll think that's the top level, but... Um, in terms of uh, loaning players or, or connecting on those kind of things, what, 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 do, you, what do you see the, the future looking like or potentially looking like? Uh, and how much is there a protection of, hey, we need to not look like we're just like, you know, every team has loanees from Montreal or Toronto or, or Vancouver? Yeah, and, and I think that goes back to the question is ultimately um, what why are we in, in this business? And, and yes, it's a business, and I get that there's... You know, there's protection, there's investment on players, but I think everybody from 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 the three MLS teams to uh, you know now to the CPL teams is is are we ultimately in this to develop our players to better our national team? And and if if somebody says they are, and and but yet they're they're trying to um, I guess sort of protect players um, from moving somewhere else, um, giving players opportunities, then then yeah, I think you have to look at yourself and say, are you really in it for the for the greater good of these players? So, yes, there, there's going to be challenges on the business side of what that looks like. But I think, um, you know, ultimately is, is we all need to look in the mirror and say, you know, are, are, do we want to develop players and better the national team? If that's the case, then, then we need to work together. Um, yes, we're, we're, the, we're, the, we're the premier league of Canada and, and we're the top level and we're, we're looking to ultimately give Canadian players the opportunity. And, um, you know, I think so... In terms of there, there will be partnerships um, with the three MLS clubs. What that looks like, I think it's, uh, you know, it's a work in progress. Uh, just one last thing. Uh, uh, all the there's five teams that have had their launch things for launch events for the MLS. Uh, we've seen it in Halifax and Winnipeg, 
Calgary, Edmonton, and York. Victoria's been kind of announced. Is, can, is there anything you can say in terms about when people can look forward to uh, things launching in Victoria with crest and colors and all that kind of fun stuff? Like I said, we're, we're working. We're, internally, we have a lot to work on, and this is hence why we haven't done much in the community yet because there's a lot of things we need to iron out on the, on the structure business side. But we are planning a July 20th launch in Victoria. Um, we want the community part of that. Um, we will come out more hopefully in the next few weeks once everything's finalized with the stadium and, and everything else internally. Um, but our plan is July 20th, and uh, we're coming out, and we want a big party, and we want to have the uh, the biggest support uh, out of it's a bit of a competition in the CPL who gets the most uh, fans to their their launch events. So we want everyone there to support, and we'll, we're working on our logo, our colors, and everything, and we're excited about it. Cool. Thank you so much for all of your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. So Rob Friend there, thanks so much to Rob for doing it. We had hoped to have him on the show a couple of weeks ago, just logistically things hadn't worked out. So we brought him to you tonight, hope you enjoyed that. So some of the things he talked about there, the the partnership with the Highlanders, he hopes something can work out. I hope so too, because the Highlanders have done so much in Victoria for the football scene. It is all about putting... Self-interest aside, working together, the Lakeside boys tweeted out that they were hopeful that the they parties were going to do. Yeah. Um, so let's let's hope they can. Yeah, and I think they they should be able to. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago again. Um, there's no there's no there's a chance that you put a package together where you sell Highlander tickets and um, the new CPL teams tickets in a package. Yeah. People can go watch both as long as you schedule it so it's not conflicting with either. Like if Highlanders play on a Friday or they play one week at home when the CPL team's not there and then they, you alternate it that way. So it can work if, if you want to really work it. Works. I still think it's going to be tough for the Highlanders with another team in town. Yeah. And also if they're still stuck at playing out the university because it's just oh, that's such the, a pain to but get But if that's the case, then maybe you do both games at Langford if you get that yeah. partnership going where you, you're playing every game at Langford and you're... You, uh, uh, I know Langford's not uh, kind of far away from Victoria too, but... You can always yeah. people will will make a, an effort to. It's I think twenty minutes away. You were saying that before. Was, I think twenty minute drive. Yeah. forty by bus. Yeah, either way, it's a long way from the ferry terminal as well. Oh, sure. Everything feels to be in, in that way. It sounds promising that everything's going to get sorted out at least with the pylon. Maybe not right away. So as Rob said there, there's maybe going to be like a phased redevelopment of the ground or, or something like that. But no matter what, they are kicking off in Victoria next year. The interesting thing for us landlubbers, if you want to call it that, but the mainlanders anyway, is what is going to happen with a, a team here in the lower mainland. Now, we're really excited ab- about the, the Canadian Premier League. We've brought you a lot of stuff so far on it. We've got a lot more stuff we plan to bring you in the coming weeks and months as well. I can't wait for it to, to kick off in April. I know there's a lot of folk around the, the country like that as well. The excitement, though, for me, is tempered a little bit with there not being a team to actually physically go and, and locally, see. Locally, yeah. I know we can hop on the ferry and all that to Victoria. Not but with the cost they have, though. Yeah. And the time. Maybe, the time. 
Maybe maybe if uh, the CPL team can make an arrangement for uh, people that want to come over or something yeah, like if that. They, maybe if they'd like to fly us over or, or hire a, a bus or something. or something. That'd be good. I don't mind even a bus if I, if it's a bus trip or no, something. I want like to fly. Okay. Straight straight into the landing on the on, on, the, on, the, pitch. on the field. Yeah. <laughs> but it, reference he said in part one, it's not dead in the Fraser Valley. Yeah. He's also said that he is open to looking at other municipalities outside of Langley and Surrey. Yeah. And I feel that should be something that he should talk up. Put the pressure on Langley and Surrey to say, look, you guys don't want this. Someone else will. But the problem but, is... But you will they, though? No, and the thing is, do the other... The Surrey and Langley, do they care? If yeah. it goes somewhere else, because it seems like they don't really care yeah, too much right now. I, it annoys me because it's the chance to be in on something special from the, because, from the start. Because if you do this, for example, if you get that stadium, you can... Not only does it help you with the soccer, but you can do concerts there. You could do yeah, other you can bring events. So much other stuff. There's so many events you could do. I, I still think Coquitlam is a, a good option if they can sort something out to redevelop Percy Perry. Yeah, it is used so much though. Yeah, Coquitlam is the issue is because, yeah, like you said, it's a track and field course yeah. as well, which is uh, you've got the links now with the Sky Train, which yeah. make it fantastic. Which is similar to Swanguard, where they're using it for like yeah. track Swanguard uh, events. I, for me, I still oh, I would love that. Be great. It's been yeah. wonderful watching TSS Rovers there. Yeah. Um, so I mean, hopefully, just I know the the fans out in the Fraser Valley are going to turn the pressure up a little bit. Hopefully, they can do that, get something sorted out. We need to get a team here in in twenty twenty. One one place that would uh, I don't know if I'll, like Delta, maybe Delta would work. If if you, and there's a lot of land in Delta too, mm. maybe something like that would work. And then you get um, you get the quick highway from Vancouver. You get people coming from White Rock. You have, still have the highways coming in from. Um, you know, Highway 1, the new Highway yeah. 17 or whatever. Maybe that might be something that they could look at too. But when I mean, he talked about the potential out in the Fraser Valley and there being such a big population there and we talked about in the first part the travel coming in to, to watch the Whitecaps and stuff. So there's definitely a market there. Hopefully something gets get sorted out and we'll bring you a lot more Canadian PL chat in the coming weeks and months. But we're going to be back with the final part of the show which is going to have... A wonderful World Cup wavelength, BC Soccer Web headlines, and a few other things as well. So we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Carl Robinson. Uh, you're listening to the AFTN podcast. Welcome back. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio. Now, it's my favourite time of the show. Zach's not here to be enthralled by it. So <laughs> it's just it's just you, Steve. And I have a special treat in store for you I tonight. didn't mind the song last week. It was pretty good. Well, hopefully you like this one. Okay. Because I've played lots of songs from the past before. I am bringing you a brand new track. Oh, wow. This is potentially... This week, oh, it's wow. like days ago this was released. And this is potentially the first time it's ever been played on the radio anywhere in the world. 
I have no proof of that. I, I think I, I think with the country of origin probably played it. I'm not so sure. Oh, okay. So we'll see. We're going back to friends of the show, Goldie Looking Chain, and they've brought you a lot of their football songs in the past. I think they're the number one group that we probably them and half man half biscuit are two big ones but they've just released a new football song obviously they they knew we've got wavelength so they they wanted to release a song for us and this is the welsh official 2018 world cup anthem but michael they're not in the world cup that doesn't matter the song explains why not i billy webb you know all about a world cup didn't you yeah there's been a lot of talk there's a world cup on i think uh it's going to be wicked. Who's, who's, who's playing Belawa? Spain, Iran, Nigeria, all the others. Who's going to, who's, who's going to, who's going to win, Bell? Well, I think it's a toss-up, but definitely one of the countries who are in there are going to win. Well, don't be so sure, Bell. Uh, I might be wrong, but I think it, it's, it'll be one of the big hitters, like uh, Denmark. I think you're fine. Wales is going to win. Like the Invisible Man. We can't be seen. We won every World Cup and we never even beat. They reviewed the footage on VAR. It said we've won every World Cup there's been so far. No extra time, no penalties. We'll bring the World Cup home without going overseas. We got leaks, sheep and devolution and we'll beat any team on Pro Evolution. No hands of God, no Maradona. And lucky Spar, your team's a goner. Even Ronaldo will be saying die down because we ain't even going but we're taking the crown. Sorry, but we already won this World Cup before it even begun. You'll need a coach, dry your tears, you get another chance to beat us in four years. It's the World Cup and Wales are gonna win it, even though we're not even in it. It's the World Cup and Wales is gonna win it, even though we're not even in it. Yo, yo, the World Cup is gonna be amazing, gonna kick 100 goals in the net. Not like the internet, but like a proper net, you know, a goal net. 32 teams that have no chance Forget football, they might as well try top dance Bale's gonna get the golden boot And John Charles is coming on as a late substitute Sweden, Peru, Costa Rica and France Like Gary Lineker, you're pooing your pants David Baddiel and Frank Skinner You'll be coming on when Mickey Thomas scores the winner We can even put Neville Southall back in goal He's past his best, but he can still plug a hole We don't need to play a match or qualify We'll be lifting the cup come mid-July Get down and book, he's put a bat on now Cause Wales is gonna win some way somehow I'm a bit worried about your team I hope they make it to the last 16 It's the World Cup and Wales are gonna win it Even though we're not even in it It's the World Cup and Wales is gonna win it Even though we're not even in it Yeah, yeah, big up all them people walk out to the fan zones It's a ball and you kick it with your feet It's a, f- a ball for feet a, f- a feet ball We got more chance of spotting Nassie Than going to Russia with Lionel Messi I'll tell you a tale that might be tall We're gonna win the cup without kicking a ball We ain't a hooligan to sing a football song A dragon on my chest, we're just tagging along Cause we're not involved, but it don't matter Neither seeing Rush or Seth Blatter Roger Miller at Snake Hips And Columbia at Scorpion Kicks We're better than them when the football's flowing but it's all academic cause we're not even going Don't bother watching match of the day When it comes to World Cups and the Welsh FA We surpass all expectations Next year we'll win the Cup of African Nations It's the World Cup and Wales is gonna win it Even though we're not even in it It's the World Cup and Wales is gonna win it Even though we're not even in it Mexico 86, they had them Fubu's Ailers in it Italia 19 We're all up in Ineos ever since 82 well, loads of swaps, right? Well, obviously, Wales get a winner. They're not even in it, but they're going to win it. Yeah, we've got the best players in the world, Wales. John Arson, Joe Allen, Ian Rush. 
Wayne Hennessy, Jack Fishlock, Lionel Messi wanted to join in. Sorry, Lionel, you're Spanish or something. Wales forever, winning the World Cup every year since 1968. Wicked. Stronger together, mate. <laughs> I love it when Ryan Giggs takes his top off, innit? Wales, number one best football nation in the world. We're going to win every World Cup ever. Goldie, Luke and Shane. They're very confident. Yes, the official 2018 Welsh World Cup anthem. Love me a little bit of Goldie, Luke and Shane on the show. Hopefully they write some more football songs soon. And who knows, they may even be on the show. Oh, really? At some point this year. That's all I'll say. Live show? Perhaps. Live performance? Not not sure they're allowed to travel out of the country. But anyway, oh. we'll see what happens with that. But now, it's time for BC Soccer Web Headlines. BC Soccer Web Headlines is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com. Your one-stop site for local, national and international news, stories, articles and links. Make it part of your daily routine. Check out bcsoccerweb.com. What's been catching your eye on the site this week, Steve? Um, It's kind of a barren week because of the fact that the World Cup... Have you had time to read it with no. everything that's going oh, on? Oh, no, I did. But uh, it's kind of barren because of the fact that a lot of uh, the articles on BC Soccer Web, and they're still good articles, are about the results of the yeah. games. And there's a lot of games. And he's, uh, Bill's done a great job of putting together the World Cup section at the top and then uh, the normal section. So it's really good. And you find some stuff, but like I said, a lot on the results of the game. Y- you have to, though, wonder how much are folk caring about MLS right now? Not very much. And it, it, like someone posed a question, or we were discussing this on Twitter, just before we get to the headlines, should MLS have taken a longer break? I think so. I think so yeah. too. It would have meant more midweek games. The I clubs th- don't want midweek games because they get lower attendance. They've had lower attendance this weekend. Yeah. and No, I think what, what would have been better is if they took in a longer break and they played all their, uh, the, as more, more of the US Cup and Canadian uh, Championship yeah. uh, and the Voyagers Cup games during that break. Because you're going to play the younger guys anyways. So why not And do- no one comes to watch and these no, games anyway. And there's definitely less attendance. I can't that. remember what game. I think it might have been Houston's US Open Cup game. It yeah. was something like 1,700 well, fans. Oh, wow. That's really low. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was going to say that's normal. But I didn't oh, no, that was like, wow. That was low. Okay. So a couple of stories uh, that came out uh, internationally. First of all, Morocco obviously lost the bid for a 2026 World Cup. But they ain't given up. No. They're going for the 2030 but World Cup. But surely that's going to South America. Well, there's a South American bid, Uruguay. England fancy their yeah, chances. Yeah, exactly. As well. I was going to mention that. Uruguay, Paraguay, and uh, Argentina. Argentina. Yeah. Um, England obviously is going to be probably combining with Ireland. Um, and um, you better say Scotland here. Wales and Scotland. I'm assuming Wales and Scotland. I'm just saying, because they were talking about yeah. the two countries. Why wouldn't they have Scotland uh, play when they're right next to them, right? Um, now, my question is, like, obviously, you know, good on them to try it again. Yeah. But do you think they need to combine with some other countries? Totally. Um, like, I was even thinking, because they're right, but I think they're very close to Spain. Well, Spain why was not, the first one that jumped into why my not head com- when I, And I you I could do this. Spain, Portugal, and Morocco kind of thing. Yeah. 
they, you're sure they won't get the final because Spain's going to get yeah. the final. But it kind of gives them uh, a way to get in and host some of these games. Or you, you could even look at doing it with the Northern African countries as it's well. It's true. Yeah, if you want to do all that. I, yeah. I think they would have I don't a better know what chance the, of partnership with a, a European country. Yeah, because I don't know what the infrastructure is for those the Eastern uh, African teams and yeah. Northern African teams. Spain and Morocco, Morocco with Portugal as well. But Spain and Morocco definitely would make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And then... Um, you got a uh, word about the Bundesliga uh, clubs topping Zach, when you need them. Yeah, topping the world attendance uh, figures. Well, when I was looking at it, I go, I got to put this in for Zach. For 27-2018, 18 clubs averaged 43,879. And um, and that's the record is 44-293 from 2011-12 season. Um, so that's Impressive. a pretty that's a pretty good. Now, what they do is they don't uh, uh, unused tickets don't get counted. So, it's people, but oh, they do, but they do count comp tickets. So they mm. count basically people, people who show up, whether yeah. it's a free ticket or uh, they show up. So if somebody doesn't show up, they don't count it as an attendance there. Ah, uh, comp tickets. That takes me back. <laughs> we used to travel to watch these Fife away. The old chairman, he always had a, a bunch of comp tickets. So he'd come out and meet us about two o'clock before the three o'clock kickoff and just hand us all tons of comp tickets. Oh, wow. Um, so news from 2018 World Cup, a couple of stories that came out there. Um, first of all, Saudi Arabia, they lost to Russia and they didn't have a good flight to their next game. No, Their plane caught on scary. fire. Their yeah. plane, and there was a video from yeah. the thing. So it's pretty scary for them. Yeah. Um, uh, and obviously it didn't go well in their second game either. Um, Not been a great World Cup so, so far for them. Who knows? Maybe they'll pull out a last ditch bin. Yeah. The time you'll be listening to this... Probably in the podcast, we'll, we'll know. We'll know for sure. And you'll be like... <laughs> Not going to happen. Um, England, we're, we're talking about them. Uh, they, they did trounce Panama, but there was a story about them. They're, oh, yeah. They're a, a parent starting lineup, but it didn't happen to be the case. Well, maybe it was, and they changed it. And they changed it, it yeah. But the, the apparent starting lineup was revealed. Uh, somebody in the training facility, yeah, a photographer. One of, the, one of the coaches was holding a bit of paper. But it was photo- upside down yeah, no more. So it wasn't even straight up. It, yeah. And, it, and we've been to training things uh, here with the Whitecaps. It's rare we will rele- reveal something before the game. Well, they're, we're told not to. Yeah. And the day before, because training is open, yeah. which it wasn't under Martin Rennie the day before, but Carl Robinson does. And obviously, like, J.J. Adams did release that Kamara had got injured before the game, and he's been told you're not allowed to do stuff like that. Yeah. But, yeah, if the press haven't been told, though, look, we're letting you in, but you can't report this. Yeah. Like, back when I used to do the preview pod, uh, preview uh, articles, oh, yeah. I got caught. Well, I didn't get caught. But uh, <laughs> what happened was I was told that as long as you don't mention you were at training, you can you can say like a little bit of what the lineup might be, and then there was a game where John Thorrington was going to play right back. I said that there's a possibility he could play right back because there's not really many options because I think their other two right backs were injured at the time, so they were stuck out there. And basically, I got in trouble for that. Yeah, because Martin I was Martin Rennie was not happy. But with but you. I think more than me, I think somebody else reported that it yeah. was going to happen. I think Canadian press did as well. Yeah, and and they and they but there made was a it, couple of other times you nailed. The lineup without you being even hadn't been at yeah. training, so yeah. So I so basically at that point after that he closed practice quite a bit. Yeah, and so that was your fault. But then again, I was told what I could like what I exactly. could say and what I can't say. And even even though I said Thorrington was the thing, I I made a couple of uh, changes in somewhere else just to not put a full lineup out there. But if if 
the if the England folk had not told the press, look, you can't report any of this. I I think that's it's fair game then. But the the press didn't take it well. They're going no. on about oh, we're there to report stuff. We're not there to be their friend and cheerleaders and blah blah blah. There's a difference but between then, breaking a team, yeah, of who's going to play and being a cheerleader. It no, just breaks and, rules. no, no. But the thing is, is they were complaining about not being given access as much, and yeah, now they get access, access, and then, and then they, they do they that. go and mess it up like this. Yeah. So some, uh, we'll finish off with some Canadian news. First of all, TFC Academy finally joins. The yeah, USSDA. bizarre that they've not until now. They've been playing in League One Ontario yeah. for the longest time. Now they're actually playing against people their similar age, and they yeah. mentioned that in the press release that they'll be able to play people similar age and play against the best competition in North America. So we'll see how they stack up because Vancouver, Montreal has been playing for quite a few years, and TFC finally joining in. Um, a nice uh, article about the free footy program in Edmonton that actually where Alfonso Davies yes. started out. Um, it's an after-school program for kids like like refugees, which Alfonso Davies was, um, indigenous uh, kids, and kids of single parents that can't really afford the major fees. Um, it started about ten years ago with twenty kids, and now is over two thousand kids. And fantastic! It, and it was Edmonton's it, just a big conveyor belt. Of oh, seems talent like, and maybe well. this is the reason why a lot of this stuff is happening because yeah. people are getting, and maybe more cities across the country need to do this kind of stuff. Um, they've talked about the pay-to-play kind of uh serial like my my kid uh has not really he we've always put him in spring leagues but next year was the first one he was, uh, wanted to play in the fall league for a full season and when i saw what the fees were i was like holy smokes do i yeah. really want to we want to maybe put him in some other sport <laughs> or something like that um it's costly he will be playing there though so i mean for this to be free yeah it's a great fantastic. it's a great program um ottawa we're talking about the voyagers cup yes i i watched ottawa, this down the coast uh, Ottawa took down AS Blainville on the road, one nothing in the first leg. The goal was in the first minute. Yeah. And when Ottawa scored that, I was like, oh, no, this is going to be an absolute shellacking for the amateur team. And it's going to put back everyone saying, oh, you need to open this up to more teams. But then yeah. Blainville did well. Yeah, they held on to their own. And they've, they've still got a chance. They were a very physical team. They kicked lumps out of Ottawa. Yeah. So my dream is that they get through and do the same to TFC. TFC. <laughs> I'd love to see them kick lumps out of Javinko and Outdoor. Yeah. They probably won't play against them, but it would be, it's, a, it's a dream. You won't have a dream. Final story, uh, congratulations oh, to... Talking of having a dream. Yeah, congratulations to uh, former residency product, uh, Ben Fisk. He has superpowers. Yeah, he's signing with Derry FC um, till the end of the 2018 season. Yes. And Derry sits currently at fifth place, but more importantly, they're going to be in the Europa qualifying, which hopefully yeah, Ben gets to play. fantastic for them. Dino, Dynamo Minsk of, uh, of Belarus, yeah. Yes. So it's a good good story for them. Yeah, really pleased They're midway through this season right now. I didn't realize yeah, that they, they play, they, they play a summer season. Okay. So he is going to then be available probably October, November time. Yeah. Um, initially, because Fisky's been at TSS training, just keeping himself fit over the summer. So I had a lot of chats with him going back to about, I think, April. He was at a, a Whitecaps training session, so I was chatting with him at that as well. He was initially looking to join a club in Scotland, but he has gone to Derry, so there is a chance he then might move to Scotland after that, but we'll see what happens. Just really pleased for Fisky. Great to see him continuing his career over in Europe. And who knows, we might see him in the CPL next year. Although I do think he sets his sights slightly higher than, than the CPL, but we'll see how good the CPL is. But anyway, that is it for this week's show. Thank you for staying with us to the end. 
been a very varied show this week. We've covered a lot of stuff. Whitecaps, MLS, World Cup, Canadian PL and a lot more besides. Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online, Steve. You can find me at Whitecaps Beat. And obviously I have a couple articles. Well, I have one coming out uh, on the weekend, the U16s residency. Uh, U17, sorry, I got to get used to that. The U17 wants to watch and the U19 should be out on Monday. Probably, yep, right? 17 yeah. ones out just now and we'll have the 19 out on Monday morning. And the 19s did pretty well too. Yes, they're still in it. We've got to give a, a shout out to them. By the time you listen to this, the result will be known most probably. They're playing Soccer's SC in the, the quarterfinal. They're the eighth, no, wait a minute. They're the sixth, seventh or eighth ranked team. I'm getting this all mixed up. I think they're the sixth ranked and, team. And Vancouver was 10th, right? Or something like that? Yeah. Right. So Soccer's are the sixth ranked team. The Whitecaps were 10th. So it's a very winnable quarterfinal. That would get them to the final four. Can they repeat the feat again to the championship game that they did in 2012 and 2016? Yeah. The good news is FC Dallas are no longer in it. Oh, so God. they won't get knocked out by them <laughs> this year. So good luck to, to the 19s and hopefully we'll be talking about them in the in the semis next week. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Give our missing member Zach a follow on Twitter as well at ZacharyAM. And read our stuff on Away From The Numbers, AFTN.ca. And give us a follow on Instagram at AFTN Soccer. We'll be back next week, Canada Day, to talk about the Colorado game, the World Cup and a lot more. So until then, thanks for listening. Take care. And mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.